This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's good, everyone? Welcome back to Winnipeg Sports Talk. You may have noticed that I'm not Andrew Hustler-Patterson, good eye, but I'm Brandon Verwicki here filling in for Hust, who's off to Whistling Straits, enjoying a weekend out of the Ryder Cup. Super jealous, but I'll be here today and Monday as well while Hust has the time of his life. But super jacked to be here with you guys and super jacked for the show today as well. We've got a ton planned. Winnipeg Jets forward Adam Lowry is going to be stopping by in just under an hour. So make sure you tune in for that one. The big rig Jim Toth will join us in about 15 minutes. And we'll speak with Rob Reese, NHL.com fantasy editor as well. A reminder too, Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you by Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Canadian Club Whiskey, not Autocorp, the Nikki and Nikki DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboy Downs, and Cool Bet Canada. Like I mentioned, Huss is off until Tuesday, but the brains behind the operation is still here. Michael Remus is joining me today. Remo, how's it going, man? Yeah, the brains behind the operation, sure. Appreciate that. Uh, great to see everyone uh, here in chat on a, what is it, Friday heading into the weekend. And crazy enough, we will have Jets hockey this weekend, which I can't even, uh, I can't even believe training camp is here. It's day two. We already have an injury. A former Jet has signed. There is a lot of news to talk about. And yes, Hustler away at the Ryder Cup. You know, I don't know if I understood how big the Ryder Cup was yesterday. We had Dubs Anderson on. He's like, oh, yeah, it's like the Stanley Cup. I was like, what? Then I saw on Instagram, uh, Timu Solani was also there. And on oh. his IG store, I'm like, Huss, you got to get a, try to get a selfie with Timu. Come on. So uh, we'll be watching for him on TV. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he won, won a draw to buy tickets in this like two years ago. So pretty, I guess pretty. this is a, sounds like a bucket list event. Yeah, I'm, I can guarantee Huss at some point will somehow be with Timu, probably some after party somewhere, knowing how Huss's life goes. And I, hey, maybe he was the one that yelled Brooksy on the opening tee. Did you see DeShambo absolutely peel one into the crowd on his opening tee shot of the Ryder Cup? Uh, all I saw was uh, this Jordan Spieth hit off like this incline right. where he almost fell in the water. I saw that one. So uh, a lot of uh, social media action here in the Ryder Cup. But we are here talking about Jets training camp talk about the lines uh you know who's scoring goals i mean we had some we had some news yesterday Hus or not Hus. i knew i knew it was gonna call you Hus at least once i told you before <laughs> the show it's a reflex i did it to libel when i used to go with him i'd call him Hus. but uh, we did have uh, the lines yesterday and it seemed like they kind of went with the same thing today um except we did have one player who was yesterday uh dylan sandberg who did not participate that was that was the story earlier this morning yeah, yeah, we finally got some news on that injury. And, I mean, not worst-case scenario, but not good as well. The news, if you missed it, Dylan Sandberg, high ankle sprain. Looks like he's going to miss about six to eight weeks. Always tough with high ankle sprains. Sometimes they can last a little bit longer. But that's – look, he wasn't going to be on the NHL roster. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But it sucks that, you know, Jets fans don't get the chance to see Dylan Sandberg play at least three preseason games, maybe even as many as four, if you heard Paul Maurice after the first day of training camp. Just just a tough blow for the Moose, but more so for Dylan Sandberg, who looked to be primed to have a really, really big season this year. So that sucks. I mean, everything else has been optimistic so far with training camp, but that's a tough blow after day one. Yeah, day one, there was. I think he was in a battle drill with Johnny Kovacevic, 
and uh, you know fell awkwardly, you know sprained high ankle sprain, four to you know six to eight weeks. And yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think mostly you know, personally, it's got to be awful. Day one, you're out, um, and it's not quite like you know the Rough Riders where they had a bunch of torn Achilles on on day one. We all remember, but um, I think sucks for him. It definitely sucks for the Moose. Uh, you know, expecting the Moose to contend, but you know, two months. So what is it? September, okay. You got one more month, October twenty four, and then November twenty four. If it goes right, you know he'll be back before the end of December, and you know maybe you can make an impact with the moose. And we've thought of him as a potential call up, but I think you can, you know, when you're making your defense power rankings, um, you probably have to move him down a bit past, you know, definitely past, uh, Hainala, you know, Bullyu, who else was on on the list, you know, but. The other Kovacevic, guys as well, Kovacevic, yeah, Kavanke. Yeah, so he's he's an afterthought as for now, but you know he can come back and and make an impact later. I don't, I have no doubts about that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still dealing with an ankle sprain from ten years ago. I think Dylan Sandberg's gonna, yeah, yeah, dude, dude I'm I'm the biggest band aid. I think Sandberg's gonna be okay. <laughs> I, I've, got, I've got pretty much everything from the from the waist up that I'm dealing with, but we'll be okay. Um, actually, there was some other, I guess, now former Winnipeg Jets defenseman news. Uh, just happened right before we came on the show, but Sammy Niku already found a new job, signed a two-way deal, a one-year two-way deal with the Montreal Canadiens. So joining Matthew Perot out there with the Habs, I, I don't see him making the team, or at least the top six, right out of camp. I mean, I think best case scenario for Sammy Niku is going to be as the seventh or eighth defenseman for Montreal, but he's going to get a shot at least. And I think for Sam, he's going to hope that it, it went a lot better than his, his time in Winnipeg, especially the, these last few years. I mean, you had the, the season from hell two years ago, right? Where the car accident before training camp gets started, and then he's injured all year. And we all know this past year, only playing in a handful of games didn't go well for him at all. But, I mean, hey, we saw Neil Pionk, a change of scenery, did him wonders coming to Winnipeg. Maybe the same does. Maybe the same does happen for Sammy Niku out there in Montreal. I have my doubts, but that's something we'll definitely have to keep an eye on as the season progresses. If if Sammy Niku can fulfill the promise after winning AHL Defenseman of the Year a few seasons ago, yeah, a couple of former Jets now in Montreal, uh, Brandon, Sharat, uh, Armia, Paroja signed, and now Sammy Niku. So a bit of a contingent there. And I think this is a you know favorable deal for him. I mean, he had the seven hundred fifty thousand with the Jets. They agreed to mutually terminate. He he saw that he wasn't going to get an opportunity here, and he wanted to, he wanted a chance to play. So he gets on a two way deal, seven hundred fifty k in the NHL, four twenty five in the AHL. So he's really, you know, he's got a guaranteed salary of four seventy five. So he's giving up, you know, assuming let's say he doesn't play in the NHL, I guess. Uh, you know, couple a couple hundred grand just for a chance to make more next season. He wants an opportunity. He wants to play, and maybe he can get it in Montreal. Maybe he can make an impact. He can, you know, do the things that make him the player he is. You know, move the puck, be a you know puck you know, offensive defenseman, and he can play like a bottom bottom role, or he'll go to the AHL. So, I know good good for him. I think we're happy to see him get an opportunity. Clearly, wasn't happening here, and you know maybe he can you know prove the Jets coaching staff wrong uh, by making an impact in Montreal. Yeah, and I know you guys talked about this too when the uh, the news of the termination came out, but there was a lot of chatter, a lot of people here in Winnipeg saying it's just a shame he was mishandled by the coaching staff since winning AHL Defenseman of the Year. I, I never saw it that way, to be honest. I mean, if we're looking solely at what he did while he was on the ice, he wasn't at any point one of Winnipeg's six best defensemen. And if you look at the results while he played here in Winnipeg, 
I mean, he was one of the worst defensemen in all of hockey. So I, I really had no problem with how Paul Maurice and the entire coaching staff handled Sammy Niku while he was here. And, you know, on top of that, people that I've spoke to that are close to the team, they've all said that there was some, some attitude problems. And if you're a bubble guy and that kind of baggage is attached to you, you're probably not going to last too long with the organization. But, hey, I'd love for Sammy Niku to prove me wrong and, and be an NHL regular with Montreal. I just don't really see that happening in the near future. Um, obviously, the big news yesterday was the line combinations, Remo. And I'm sure the chat was uh, was bumping with <laughs> all of their thoughts on, I mean, really, it was, I think, mostly the top six, right? That, that's where all the conversations centered around. And it looks like that was the lineup again in day two of training camp. Um, but what was the uh, the general sentiment from the from the listeners, the Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners, about Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor being reunited as the top line, and Nick Ehler still finding himself on line number two? Yeah, I mean, I guess you know what they're gonna be gonna be. I mean, I, I'm I didn't really think about you know that was kind of an afterthought to me. I was kind of interested in this Ehler and Cop being split up from Lowry and Stasny going to line three with Lowry and Veselina, and maybe you can ask. Adam Lowry later um, about playing with this new line, or maybe they go back to Cobb. I think I was more surprised that, and that perked my ears up, you know, seeing Cobb moved up, Ehlers and Dubois. And by all accounts, uh, these guys have connected on two very pretty goals in the scrimmages. I don't know what everyone thinks of uh, of training camp, you know, scrimmages, if you got like over-unders on them or you're playing training, training camp, camp fantasy. fantasy. But if, but it seems like Nikolai Ehlers has been, you know, the Art Ross, or sorry, the Rocket Richard of, Jets training camp scrimmage so far, and he's got Dubois setting him up. I was actually really intrigued by Dubois. Um, you know, the, the top line, these guys go together. I don't know. I'm not going to overreact or it seems like they, no matter what, they always go. So like, what am I going to, what am I going to do? So hopefully, you know, you hope they have better defensive numbers when the Jets have better defense uh, behind them. I do think Wheeler is, is going to be hundred percent healthy this year. We know with the off season, we know that he was battling injuries all year and you could see it in his play, but his ice time didn't reflect an injured player, which I think was, um, you know, frustrating to watch a guy struggling out there when you know that he's capable of more. But uh, Dubois, I think hearing him talk about getting a workout all year, getting a fresh start with the team, I don't know, man. I think him and Nikolai Ehlers, they've hooked up a couple times here in the scrimmage. That could be a dynamic line. And, you know, the team's really counting on Pierre-Luc Dubois to return to the form that he showed in Columbus because you know, he said he wants to get back to being himself. And he talked about, you know, not being able to work out through multiple quarantines last year, um, you know, not get the you know the usual training in. I think he's going to be better, and he's definitely showing that early earlier this year. So I was and and you know Veselainen too, a guy who's looking to make a jump, and I thought he looked good in some of those playoff games. And if you have him replacing Appleton and then Lowry and Stasny, I kind of I kind of like what they're uh, what they're doing here. You could maybe have like a one A and a and a one B. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of torn because. I love the idea of Dubois and Ehlers playing together and, and kind of forming a partnership all season long. But my big thing when I look at the Jets lineup is just that I want to play Nikolai Ehlers as much as possible. Yes. And he's not likely to do that playing with Pierre-Luc Dubois, especially at the start of the season. To me, there's just no justification anymore for playing Blake Wheeler more, especially five on five, playing Blake Wheeler more minutes at five on five than Nikolai Ehlers at this point in their careers. I mean, Nick Ehlers is one of the most efficient scorers in the NHL, let alone on the Winnipeg Jets. So that's that's kind of my big beef with what we've seen so far. I mean, things can change for sure. But 
I guess my main goal when trying to figure out who goes where and, and who plays how many minutes is just making sure Nick Ehlers is among the five-on-five ice time leaders for the Jets up front this season. And I, I think Shifley Ehlers-Connor is a line that can work really well. And I don't know if you lose a whole lot having Dubois, Wheeler, and, and whether it's Copper Stasny beside those two there. I, I like the mix in the top six there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm not as upset with Nick Ehlers potentially being on the second power play because, you know, I, I, I think he can kind of run his own power play unit better than a, a Kyle Connor or, or somebody else. But when it comes to five on five, he's got to be the man for me. And and hopefully, even if we see both Shifley and Dubois lines play around the same five on five minutes, I'm cool with that. But I would like to see Shifley and Ehlers get a bit of a crack at it as well. Um, the third line, though, is really intriguing, right, with, with Veselainen and and Stasny flanking Adam Lowry. I, I'm not sold that's going to be the way it, it plays out in, in game one, but I don't know if a lot of people predicted Paul Stasny being one of uh, Adam Lowry's wingers. Yeah, I, I'm not going to like start, you know, it's day two of training camp. I know we like to joke about, uh, you know, overreacting over line combos. So I'm not going to do that. And I, I agree with you. Everything you said about Nikolai Ehlers, he should be the number one you know, guy getting the most ice time. And, uh, well, I mean, we'll wait and see. I'm not going to get, you know, get upset about anything until you start playing regular season games. But uh, I can see why some fans uh, would be upset. You know, we, we know what Shafley, Connor, and Wheeler are. And if you want to experiment with lines, what better time to do it than, you know, early in training camp. But maybe just, you know, get them back into the groove. And maybe we can screw around uh, later. But... I mean, this is set up to be a breakout season for Nikolai Ehlers. He's coming off a summer, you know, carried Denmark uh, to the Olympics. Um, I, and he, you know, you should look at his numbers last year. This is a guy that needs to be played more. And I've seen the argument, well, you know, he's only doing all these points, Brandon, because he's playing against lower competition. But I'm like, look at his numbers. I mean, you look at his rate stats per 60 minutes. He is a guy who deserves at least a shot to see if he can produce those numbers playing additional minutes and i know maurice said well we he's a guy you know who's his best around 18 to 20 minutes and when you get him over 20 minutes well then his numbers well i don't know will they uh let's i'll take take that chance well yeah (laughs) let's take a chance and find out and uh, as for the power play goes i kind of want i said this yesterday i there was a play in the playoffs last year where ehlers was at the left point and connor was on the right side and ehlers fed connor for a beautiful one-timer and i'd like to see more of that but the way they have the power play now I mean Wheeler's on that right side. So how do you arrange this with the power with the with the power play? Um, I want to see Connors ripping more one timers from the right side and Shafley on the left side on the left dot as well. And Ehlers at the top. But where does Wheeler factor in there? I guess you would have Wheeler down low and maybe another defenseman, Pionk, Schmidt, whoever on the on the right side. Maybe we'll see that. I don't know. I think the two the the double barrel one timer seems to be the way that most teams are going who can score. You need to have two threats. It seems like the power play in the last bit has been uh, too predictable. Although they were both great last year. I mean, I'd say yeah. they've been predictable. Look at their numbers. They're both great. But the second power play uh, did have higher efficiency. And I have had people in chat say, well, you know, it's because they play against the other team's second penalty kill. I'm like, well, I don't know. Do they? Like, let's let's even out the power play minutes and figure I think that's one other thing we're trying to watch. Well, the other thing, too, and we're going to get to this uh, later on in the episode, which I'm pretty excited about. You know, talking about Ehlers, talking about Dubois, uh, potentially having a, a really big bounce back season, but just taking a look at the over under point totals for each of the Winnipeg Jets, especially up front, right? I, I'm very curious 
what Coolbet has for Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and even Nikolai Ehlers too, to an extent. I imagine Mark Scheifele is going to be around, you know, that 80, 82 and a half point mark. But I can't wait to get into the uh, the over-unders there, Remo, and, and try to figure out where exactly uh, the Winnipeg Jets are going to slot in and maybe who some of the best bets are. I actually, so I like looking at the cool bet numbers um, just for the over-unders. I want to see, you know, where do they, where do the books think that the Jets are going to be? And so they, I'll tell you where they had, um, Schixer's asking for an update request on Brian Little. We have, so I'll, I'll sort of derail myself. We have had updates for Brian Little. Chevy says not medically cleared to play. So yeah. there's, there's nothing, there's nothing more there. Um, but as far as the the things go, the projections, Cool Bet had Nikolai Ehlers point total at sixty five and a half points. Oh, that would be it. a career high. And oh, I guess so, yeah. If I'm a betting man, I would one. I mean, if he plays every game, he's for sure. You're but hammering that, the over. But that would be that would be a career a career high uh, for him. I know he he was a point per game player basically last year, forty six and forty seven. Um, his highest was 64 and 82 in his second season, 2016, 17. But I mean, I, I would hammer the order and I like to look at projections. I like Dom from the athletic and you know what his projection was for Nikolai Ehlers. As I bring it up here, he had, what did he have? 70, 76 points. So, I mean, if you're looking for a good over on cool bet, I may have to drop like a hundred bucks on that thing or something. That's that's how I'm mean, barring barring injury. Yeah. But I, I probably probably won't. But I'm saying that is how confident if you're betting that over, I would I would be uh, on that one. Yeah, a hundred percent with you on there. And we'll get into the rest of the Jets forward, maybe even some of the defensemen a little bit later in the show. But we do have one of our guests on tap waiting to get ready right now. Before we get to him, though, do want to mention Manitoba Battery at ten twenty six Logan are your battery experts for everything and have the best prices in town as well. Automotive, industrial, farm, power sports, whatever it is, whatever battery you need, Manitoba Battery has you covered. Plus, they deliver it citywide. So if you need a battery, call Manitoba Battery at 783-8787 or find them online at manitobabattery.com. Also, hockey season just weeks away right now. And remember, Royal Sports is your ultimate hockey superstore. So get ready for the season at Royal for on the ice or in the stands with the biggest selection of hockey gear and fan merch for the Jets, the rest of the NHL, some Bombers, CFL, and and NFL as well. Family owned for over 35 years in Manitoba. So make sure you visit Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. And the weekend is finally here. So what pairs better with the weekend then the lovely taste of Canadian Club. Canadian Club is the official spirit of the Bombers and a proud sponsor of WST. Find Canadian Club throughout IG Field at the next Bomber game or at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. There is a guest coming up here that I'm sure has enjoyed a uh, Canada Club or two back <laughs> in the day. We'll find out about that right now, but super happy to bring on former co-host and former co-worker of the big show with me back at 1290 but looking good jim toad how's it going big rig i'm well thank you man you brought it today the flow is uh epic i have to give full credit but i'm doing well and the canadian club yeah that that i'm glad to see that i don't want to call it a comeback but it's more prevalent i think but in my dad's era and i 
back to my way back in college soccer days, had a meeting with two of my coaches who are also of the Hungarian descent, and it included a Canadian club. I'm like, this is the best college team ever that you have a Canadian club. Will you discuss my inefficiencies on the pitch? Yeah. So, yes, well done. How are you, man? Looking good. Good, man. Yeah, yeah look, you, you brought – I knew you were going to bring the heat with the flow, so I had to come ready to play. So, Looks you know, you're, you're bringing out the best in me here. But good to talk to you again. Maybe we'll have a, a CC sometime soon. Uh, that that yes. wouldn't be a bad thing. Perfect for the fall as well. Would enjoy that immensely with you, my friend. Maybe we could do it for one of the training camp days upcoming. We're now two days into Winnipeg Jets training camp. Now, have you been able to head down – to, uh, to see any of these in person just yet? Or have no, been- I'm, I'm not. No, I haven't made it out there yet. I, I most likely will. I'm fortunate um, to be uh, uh, doing some analysis with some games on CGOB, including this Sunday against Ottawa um, with Kelly Moore and, of course, the crew there. So I, I, I'll i be at the game on Sunday and then also during the, the upcoming weeks, I'm going to try and get down to our training camp and watch that because, as we've discussed many times on our former show, I, I love going to practices. I love seeing the intricacies of it. I like to see what conversations are taking place, although not privy to what's being said, but I like to see what guys are working on, the face-off, the power plays, uh, and individual players and and uh, what they're working on too. So I haven't been down there yet, but um, a lot of enthusiasm, as I'm sure we'll get into around uh, training camp this year. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, from afar then, what has been maybe the biggest story or the biggest revelation out of now two days of Jets training camp? Well, I think the vaccination story, I, you hate to keep beating the pandemic to death, although if we could beat it to death and get rid of it, I'm sure we would. Um, but I, I think that that's, you know, the fact that Connor Hellebuck had it and what he went through once he had it and then the vaccination after, um, but just the teams are vaccinated. And I understand Blake Wheeler not wanting to get into it. Um, it is a personal choice. I know there's ramifications over people. I, I think the Connor Hellebuck story is interesting to me because I have friends who are not vaccinated. And and they say that it's not I'm anti-vax. I will get the vaccination. I just live in a secluded area where there's no cases right now. And I'm waiting to see as we go forward with science about when to get vaccinated. And I think anti-vaxxers get lumped or those kind of people get lumped in with the anti-vaxxers who don't believe in it. So I understand why it's just the personal choice of that. But the fact that they are fully vaccinated as a team and then you look at some of the other players, the Zach Ronaldo's, the Tyler Bertuzzi's. And what those ramifications will be. I mean, um, I couldn't imagine if, if Connor Helbo came forward and said, you know what, I don't want to be vaccinated and I can only play in Canada this year and the ramifications for that on a team. So it's not a massive story, but that's the one on the first day of camp that stood out to me. And then the rest of them um, are the line combinations and where we're going to go with this. And I know a lot of people look at that number one line. It's, as we know, always been discussed. But the fact that Pierre-Luc Dubois is at center, which I think we all thought he would be, but the fact that he's there in the number two line, that Stasny's on the third line, and um, the opportunity for Cop on the second. Now, as we'll get into, it's the first and second day of camp. This is going to change. This is going to change in season. But I kind of, um, I know you got Lowry coming up here, and I've been a proponent for years, as you know, that I think he's got a 40-point season in him. And that, to me, it's not that Cop was up on number two. Good for him. I think he's earned a look up there with Dubois and Ehlers. But to me was, hmm, if if Veselainen can take that Mason Appleton spot and you have a guy like Stasny, um, I think that's a pretty good defensive line with Lowry. But I'm wondering where points might come from there in the fashion that what stood out to me early yesterday and today was that I think you could get a lot of points out of a Stasny-Lowry-Veselainen line if that line clicks. So, 
there are the obvious storylines, the deep pairings, Pierre Dubois, who's on the number one line. But that's what stood out to me. The fourth line, can they produce some points? But also, hmm, I wonder if Estazzi and Veselainen might get a few more points, 10 or a dozen more out of Lowry if it clicks. Yeah, I mean, hey, this team could definitely use Veselainen kind of filling the role of the Appleton, the Tanev, the Armia in the past. That would be huge. Um, one name that is, and you mentioned it there, that I, I think has to be the biggest storyline heading into the upcoming season is Pierre-Luc Dubois in a contract year. Can put a tumultuous season, and I think a explained season behind him last year where you're traded, pandemic, new team, get injured, quarantine. It just it, it never got off on the right foot for him. What do you think is a, a good season for Pierre-Luc Dubois this season, whether it be points-wise or just his role with the team? Well, I don't think you're going to see him lead the team in scoring, whether it's goals or points. I don't think that's going to be expected of him. What I do think I would like to see, and I think they need to see, is just the solid two-way physical play, creating some things. And look, I love the fact that he's on with Ehlers, and I know you're going to hear from the Ehlers crowd that want him on that number one line. There you go. Um, and, and I wouldn't be opposed to that, personally. Um, but I look, if, if he is the best player on the roster right now, two-way, points-wise, everything, and you think he's going to have a big season, what better spot to put him than with a Pierre-Luc Dubois that, you know, you you need him to sort of get his game. You mentioned contract here. Not that I forgot about that, but there's so many other storylines that you need out of this guy this year. Um, I, I think that's a valid point, man. I mean, and look, it's only day two, but I think Ehlers had two more goals today, and they were set up by Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, I, I think that that's going to be – and you throw in an Andrew Kopp there too. So – I, I like the fact that Pierre-Luc Dubois is a big storyline going in. We all know that he needs to be better. We all know that uh, what he went through last year and that we believe that he can. I think most people think that he can be better. Some don't. I've already heard from some people that think he's a bum and blah, blah, blah. But I like the idea of putting him with Nick Ehlers. If, if, if you want to see this guy get going, I think he is going to put up some points. I think if he is on a line with Ehlers, that's going to come. I think that could be a dynamic duo going forward. And I'm excited to see that. So, I think this season more than ever, and we always talk about this, how people focus on lines, because this is a coach that if the third line's going, he'll they'll play more at the end of the night than the second line. I know we're going to hear from the crowd, and you probably already have about the number one line in their minutes. But look, I think this is a season more than ever that if, if Ehlers and Kopp and, and Dubois find some chemistry, they might lead a lot of the nights in ice time and production. So I think he's going to have a bounce back here, and that's easy to say given the season he had last year, but I think what you're doing is a perfect situation. Okay, he's going to have a bounce back here. What's he going to do? Look, I, I think he's going to score 60, 65 points this year. And I think a lot of it's going to come if he's with Ehlers. Um, I don't think 25 or 30 goals is out of the realm. And I think you can hand in 25 or 30 helpers with that, maybe even more. Yeah, we always hear everyone comes into camp in the best shape of their life. But it sounds like Dubois actually came into camp in the best shape of his life, so that's promising for Jets fans. One name that's gone really under the radar, for me at least, in training camp, I don't even know if we've heard from him yet either, but not hearing a lot about Mark Shifley, are we? And I, I wonder, I just wonder about the season upcoming for him and, and what to expect because, I mean, I don't know if you can end the previous season on a worse note than what happened with him. I mean, obviously the suspension that in part cost the Jets the series – and then the infamous press conference that came afterwards. But do you think, and, and even coming off a year where I think he was on pace for 90 points, do you think this is a career year for Mark Shifley? Do you think it's just a point-per-game season for Mark Shifley? 
And he also has the whole Olympic thing looming around him, too, where that has to be a major goal for him. You know what? I, I've been thinking about this for a while now as camp was ramping up. And I still think that series against Montreal, game three and four, was heavily weighed on Mark Shifley. And they knew they were down 2-0 and didn't have Mark Shifley. And I think that explains a little bit of just they got nothing out, out of that team go down the lineup. I think that weighed on them mentally. But the fact that he doubled down in his season-ending press conference, and um, so I don't, I don't know. Like I, I think that this is a different Mark Shifley. I, I'm interested to see that in a determined one. I don't know defensive game-wise if that's going to change a lot, but I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's going to come out, and I think he's going to put up a ton of points. And I think he is could score 90 points this season on the power play um, and everything else, but. If you bring a Mark Ch- or Mark Shifley back with a bigger chip on his shoulder than maybe he we've never seen or maybe he hasn't had, I, I think you are going to see a big season from him. Um, but I, I'm with you. Like you couldn't have ended on a worse note, and I wonder if that drives him or if he's just put it in the background or whatnot. We'll find out. He's going to miss the first game of the regular season and see what he has out of the gate. But even he spoke today, by the way. But even Blake Wheeler yesterday was his short, curt. I'm angry at the world already sort of let's get this season going. And I, and what I, what I mean by that is, um, you know, they want, look, I thought Connor Hellbuck spoke well, but they all know this in this room. This is it. This is the year. Cheval Dayoff's done everything. I, there's no more excuses. There's no more drama around the team in the locker room. We all heard about how what Nate Schmidt's going to help and bring some fun back. I just think there's a whole lot of let's go time. Forget everything else with this team this year. And it is with the additions they made on the blue line. But I think Blake Wheeler has a chip on his shoulder. I think Mark Shifley has a chip on his shoulder. Blake hears the things that he's not a number one line guy anymore. Mark hears the you cost us that series in your defensive game. He hears that, whether they admit it or not. So I don't think you're going to see a revolutionized two-way dominant center in Mark Shifley. But I do think you're going to see a big offensive output from him this year. Do you think he ends up on Team Canada for the Olympics? I don't know. I, I think that his name is out there enough that he will he is in consideration, and depending on the team he does have. I think, I mean, injuries, fair enough. You know, the Patrice Bergerons of the world are not young anymore, but I, I think he's in the running for it. So, look, if he puts up big numbers, he's going to be on the team. And it might not be, you know, in the active lineup, but he's going to be on the team. Um and I think that the enough people at Hockey Canada value him that way. Um, and I think that he'll he'll sort of deserve it. I, I guess a better way to, to how I'm feeling about it, I don't know if you feel the same way, is do you think he's on the team right now and is he going to play his way in on it or off it? I think he is on the roster uh, as maybe even an extra forward. And then I think his play will dictate whether it's in the active lineup, whether it's not even on the roster and going um, from there. But I think right now he is on paper uh, an Olympian. Yeah, I have him as either the 13th or the 14th forward right now. So it's just intriguing to me. And I wonder if he feels the same way where, you know, I got to pick up my game a little bit if I want to make sure I'm in the starting lineup come game one of the Olympic tournament. Speaking of the Olympics, do you think Connor Hellebuck makes uh, Team America? Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for an easy question. Yeah. Okay, just, yeah, just, just throw it out there. And people will tweet me that yeah. you're way off on yeah. Shifley. You're way off an idiot. I think Peter Hellebuck is on the team. I think yeah. right now he's the starting goaltender. Yeah. Um, I think John Gibson's going to be there as well. 
and who else would the, the other name be there but floating around there? But I, I don't only think Connor Hellebuck's on the team. I think he's a starting goaltender as of right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even my dogs looking at me right now like that. That was, <laughs> that was a weak joke. Don't don't do that. But I mean, the I think one of the again under talked about storylines is that. Oh man, oh man, are they ever going to need Eric Comer to be good this year? Because yes. you're dealing with the condensed schedule, potentially a playoff push. I mean, everyone hopes the Jets are comfortably in the playoffs by the end of the season, but they might be battling for one of the few playoff spots by the end of the year. And like you said, Connor Hellebuck likely to be the guy in net for Team USA. I mean, you wanted to play as much as you can, but he might be playing 70-plus games this year. Is that is that the biggest concern going into the year? from the Jets' point of view, is just the uncertainty behind Connor Hellebuck and Ned? I think it is, and I, they'll never admit that, but I, I think that, look, I, I'm not down on them giving Eric Comrie the shot. I really am not. They have a very good decor in front of them. They have some depth. They're going to change the systems. We heard Paul Maurice said our, our all three zones system is going to be different. I think that this is a team that an Eric Comrie could have some success with. Um, but it's also a team that it, it, you'll find out this year if Eric Comrie's an NHL goaltender, whether it's a backup you know, somewhere or something else. You're going to find that out this year when he plays. Um, look, we've questioned jet scouting a lot over the 10 years that they've been here now going into 11 and they've been proven right more often than not. And probably a high percentage wise. So if they feel he's ready, I don't, I don't buy into the philosophy that with this roster, they're going, Oh, he deserves it. He's such a good guy. And he's been great to our organization. I don't buy into that. The jets are going this route because a cost, but B, they believe that he can legitimately do this. They could be wrong. They're not a hundred percent. They're scouting either. So I think, and I've said this, you know, even when they signed him and Lauren Bersouin for agency, they got that deal in Vegas. It's the story of the year for me right now. I mean, injuries will play into things, all that stuff, what they do to me, the story of the year is by November and he's got two or three games under his belt. Are they confident going forward that he can do this? If heaven forbid, something happens to Connor Hellebuck. And if they don't, they'll go get a goalie. I, I just think that that's the way it'll go. They'll look at it. They'll bring it in and how it goes. So I think he has three to five games. I think that takes him into November, early December, and they'll assess it there. But I I agree. I think it is one of the biggest storylines going into this season on if Connor Hellebuck can, or sorry, if Eric Comrie can pull the weight of a backup, maybe not to the degree of Lauren Bressois, but can he win you games? And is he a legitimate NHLer right now? Looking around the rest of the division, let's just say for argument's sake, Colorado is, you know, perched themselves up at the top of the central by the end of the year. Who do you think is the the next closest runner up pushing Winnipeg aside? You like Dallas, St. Louis, Minnesota, maybe Chicago? Wh- which of those teams do you think gives the Jets the biggest threat? Well, I, I like Chicago if Taves is back. And I, I, I know they had a, a non-playoff season last year, but I, I think that they have a really good young core. They might add Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, just the um, best the winner for nothing. No yeah, Exactly. Hey, a guy that says, I really don't know what I'll do with myself <laughs> or find satisfaction in life as much as I found when I'm playing, so I'm back. So that tells me he, he wants to play. It's not like he's, I'll try this. Um, but I, I've always been big on Dallas. You guys know that. And I think Tyler Sagan's healthy. I wonder what they'll get out of Jamie Ben. But I, they've got some really good young forwards. They've drafted well over the past couple of seasons. I like their defense. Um, and then Ben Bishop's trying to get back. But uh, Hudobin, I, I, I wonder about that. But I really like the Dallas Stars. But to me, Brandon, you know, St. Louis is going to be St. Louis, depending on Billington. But we've talked about this in the summer on your podcast. I, I, I think this is a top 10 National Hockey League team with the Winnipeg Jets. I 
think it's fair to go. They're not top five. I think it's fair to go where in the top 10 is it eighth or ninth or five, fair enough. I have a hard time looking around the national hockey league and on paper right now, before any games have played, find a team that is better than the Winnipeg jets at 11, 12, 13. So Having said that, I think Colorado's in the in the in their division, and then I think it's the Jets, and it could be close with the Dallas's or the St. Louis's. Um, but I, I really think that they're that good. I think they're second in this division and will run with Colorado. Um, so in the division, I like Chicago. I like Dallas ahead of Chicago. I'm not high on St. Louis as some people are. Um, so I would have them second in the division, probably fighting with Dallas. Yeah, I, I love St. Louis's forward group, but I agree. I think I have Dallas as the, you know, them and them and the Jets are going to battle it out for second. Um, I'll, I'll poke the hornet's nest a little bit here. Would you rather have uh, the Leafs or the Jets heading into the season? <laughs> I like the Jets. I, I've been on this. It doesn't work this way. You've always been against Toronto, too. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I, it was so, a leading question, but I just I, I wanted to well, hear you. And you know why? Like, and we did this last year on our former show where I went and ran the numbers and the Leafs and the Jets are so close to each other offensively, defensive, well, maybe not defensively, but uh, it's power play penalty kill. They have the better goaltender. Like I just thought they're, they're, they're very close to each other. Um, there's no Thornton there anymore. I, I just look, the, the cap is killing them. And when you're looking at this roster and how they fit everybody in, even Andrew Kopp, who I didn't think they would, but they did good for them uh, on a one-year deal. I just think right now the Jets have better depth than the Leafs do right now, better than last year. So I thought they were close and and neck and neck last year, but the cap is going to kill Dubas. I think it's starting to to uh, rear its ugly head right now. Um, And they just have one too many big time contracts where they could have used that 10, nine, 10 or $11 million deal and probably solidified their defense with two players. Look at what the Jets did with four or 5 million a year. Um, so I just have the Jets ahead of the Leafs. Even I thought they were neck and neck and the Jets could run with them last year. I think the Jets are ahead of them this year. I, I might take Toronto during the regular season, but I don't know how with the mental baggage they have, how you could even think for one second to lean towards. The, like Even the fans don't want to watch the Leafs. This, like, there's just this <laughs> looming sense of dread over the organization. But it is interesting, albeit in different ways, both the Jets and the Leafs, more so the Leafs, but I think Winnipeg is in the same sort of a vein. It's almost like the last dance type of a season for them, right? It is. You know what? And look, this is what I mean about the cap. So maybe two years ago, the Jets weren't as good as the Leafs and, and the Leafs should have got things done. And they went all in. And and that's the fine line when you're a GM. Do you mortgage? Do you want to stay competitive? And I know a lot of fans are going, you go for it. You go for it. I agree with you. But if it makes sense and, you know, the Denny Savard talk last year, or the Savard, I should say, around the trade deadline, that first over first round pick and everything else. Look what the Jets did in the offseason as opposed to the trade deadline. So I just I don't I, I feel that they went all in and they had to have. They invested so much money and the cap was going to kill them. The part about what the Jets have done so well is we've been hearing the windows closing, and yes, they've had some down years. They finally admitted this offseason that their defense the previous two years just wasn't good enough, and they, they commend those players there. But it's two different philosophies. You have two really good teams, and you have the salary cap. And one sort of managed it and got a playoff round in and then got hammered, and the other one just keeps getting beat in the first round. And the other one was up 3-1, and then like you said, the mental baggage are getting knocked down. And then now you have this this sort of cap problem. 
Um, I, I'm not big on teams just staying relevant. I, don't get me wrong. I don't like that sort of just, well, we're cap compliant. We've got a good playoff team. We're cap compliant. We've got a good playoff team. I don't mind teams that go for it, but you got to be sure. And again, I don't hate the way they went for it at the trade deadlines. What I hate is that John Tavares contract uh, or that William Nylander contract. Both really good players, but you can't go that money out and expect to stay competitive for three, four years and have the window sort of slightly close and then reopen slightly close. It's going to open and you got your two to three years and then it's going to close. And I think it's closing on the Leafs now um, compared to the Jets have sort of got, you know, another two to three year window here with what they've done with the cap. So I just didn't think it was going to work from the start. I just didn't think that as look, every team needs John Tavares, but every team can't afford him. And I didn't think the Leafs could afford him. Sticking with Canada here, where do you think Connor McDavid requested trade after the Oilers missed the playoffs? <laughs> to Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> Get me out of here. Do, Get do you have Sutter <laughs> and let me be oh, driven into the ice every day, told how worthless I am. Because I just love the city of Calgary and that way that organization runs. <laughs> that would be um, the ultimate. I, I am all here for that from the heel perspective. But what do you make out of Edmonton's offseason? And do you do you have any idea what to expect? I have no idea. I can I can see the Oilers finishing first in that division or being out of the playoffs by the time March rolls around. To me, the Oilers are exactly like what Minnesota did with Kareel uh, there and that $9 million a year. Does he deserve it? Is he going to be great? Yes. You're in cap hell for three of the next five years. So you can't put anything around him in that time. You would have been better off to bridge him if he would have taken it, given him even maybe 10 for two to three, and then clear some cap space. Well, that doesn't make sense, but you know what I'm saying? Like Edmonton, look, I love everything about Zach Hyman. I really do. But they don't, that's not what they need right now. That's not going to help them with that amount of money for that long term. They are in cap hell. And so I, I don't, I just, the Oilers are going to be what I think we saw from them this year. They're going to be a playoff team. They're probably going to win a round, um, but then that's going to be it for them. And and they don't have the depth. They don't have the depth defense and they don't have the depth scoring. So as much as I like Hyman, giving him that much money on that much term does not make sense because you're basically waiting for the first three to four years of that to go away. And will Connor Hellebuck wait three or four years or dry sidle? You know, I don't know if Connor Hellebuck's ever going to go get me out of Edmonton. McDavid. Yeah. Oh, McDavid. Sorry. Yeah. McDavid. Um, but I do think that, and he said this before, like it's time to sort of augment. He took less money to have stuff built around him. I'm hoping he understands if he wants to stay in Edmonton, that it takes time to use that less money and get rid of some of the others but adding, adding some of the contracts they did doesn't help them. So I, I think the Oilers take a step back. I think they might be a playoff team, but I I think they'll fight for the playoffs this year. And um, I, I think they're in cap trouble too. Like the teams that are in cap hell should just admit we're in cap hell, get draft picks, run out two years, and get out of it, in my opinion. Um, the idea that you keep adding and trying to fix what you have and I know that's tough. It's easy for me to say because you've got a McDavid and a Dreisaitl sitting there um, and a Darnell Nurse going, wait a minute, I'm not going to write off the next two to three years. So I understand that. But you try to keep plugging these holes and it just doesn't work. And I think Edmonton's done that that too. Like I, I could see them taking a step back. 
it is still hilarious to me that the highest paid player in the NHL is also the most underpaid player in the NHL. With McDavid, the, the big thing is going to be, can he get to two points a game this upcoming season after yeah. he had? And so. to your point about asking for a trade, I always laugh at that because I, I don't know when or if that'll even happen. I, I do think he, you know, players understand what they mean to the organization, want to keep firing or let the GM fire. Um, but I will say, like, he's he's a smart guy. And he sees what Ken Holland's been around. He knows Ken Holland, just like you and I do, that he can do this. He can build around this. Um, but then you start to add things to it and pieces like this. I just don't know if if, if it goes that well. And, and I don't know how it's going to go. Like, they might hold water for the next two years, make playoffs, not go very far, and then have some room. Um, but I believe in Ken Holland when he has room. He can make this into a winner. He just doesn't have it. And then some of the deals he's signed don't make sense to me. One last one before we uh, let you head out the door here, but I can't help but feel like on Friday mornings at around 8.30 a.m. <laughs> or so that there's a part of me that that's missing. Have you uh, have you been jonesing for the, the six-pack at all? Have you been uh, finding any luck, uh, whether it's on Cool Bet or whatever else you're betting on when it comes to the NFL this season? Those neighbors over there. And those ones over there have filed noise complaints every Friday morning because I'm just on the deck, which is where the hot tub is right there. Bill Blair, the public enemy. Screaming public enemy and making animal sounds. and <laughs> or Take the Bengals with the spread, but the Bears will win and stuff like this. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm still getting that, by the way. When NFL season was rolling around, I know you saw it on social media too. People are like, you guys need to start the six-pack again. The NFL season's back. So, um, I am wagering they some want to fade our picks. They want to fade our picks. That's why they want us back. They do. They want to, a lot. Of, and some people, that'll always happen. You know, like I need you guys to make picks so I can go the opposite. I've never made more money than betting on the opposite of you guys. So, but yeah, I do sit in my Aquatech hot tub still on a Friday. And uh, ironically, on Friday mornings, I like to do that. I get up and I feed little Thomas. And uh, when he goes for a nap, I like a, a, a after the week soak. Beauty. Well, hey, actually, the, the Justin Fields era unofficially begins this Sunday. How are you feeling about the Bears? Is it the Browns they're playing? They are the and in Cleveland too. So look, I've said this from the get-go, and I sent out a tweet in last week's game because what he did when Dalton went down is what I expect from Justin Fields. He ran for some first downs. He made a couple of nice passes. I think he had like, I think he was four or five for nine. Nothing spectacular, but he had a key pick. And the other thing was, is the uh, Joe Burrow threw three straight picks on three straight possessions, and all they got was one field goal out of it. That's what I expect from Justin Fields. So that's why I'm more than happy that he's not starting. I'm in no rush. I listen to the Steve Youngs and I listen to everybody else who say, look, look at the record of guys who've come out of college and just started compared to the guys who have sat a year. The guys who have sat a year are named uh, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. um, And the record of the guys who have come in and started are the Sam Darnolds of the world and things like that. I'm more than happy with him sitting. This isn't a, a Super Bowl contending team. I don't have a problem with him being involved in some packages. I just don't think he needs to start at all this year. Now, there's an injury, so he's going to start. That's fine with me. Um, but to say, like, to Andy Dalton, and it's not because it's Andy Dalton. It's just that, like, you're sitting week five. It's Justin Fields' time. It's not Justin Fields' time. It's not Justin Fields' time at all this year. Put him in some packages. Let him start when Andy Dalton can't. Let him learn just like Mahomes did under Nagy in Kansas City. And I'm more than fine with however this season goes. The other thing is, is this is an awful schedule for the Bears. Like they just have contending playoff team after contending playoff team. So I wish him well this weekend. I'll be interested in watching. I just don't think he should be starting unless Dalton's injured at all this year. And then I really look forward to next season. 
Hey, did you know the Bears could have drafted Patrick Mahomes? Have you ever have you ever heard I, that one? I, that's a fallacy, man. I think you need to check your facts on that. Um, so, but hey, as long as time keeps going by, I think they're pretty happy they didn't draft Deshaun Watson. <laughs> So there you go. If enough time passes, if enough time passes. Yeah, I mean, so and that's the thing with that, too. I mean, we could go on and on and on. I mean, at least with Justin Fields, we won't constantly see those graphics coming up um, beside his name. Like, you know, when they play the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is there and they go, hey, in the time Aaron Rodgers has been in Green Bay, 48 guys have started at quarterback for the Bears. One of them named Jim Toth. Yeah. But if Fields doesn't work out, and I know I'm out here, thanks for having me. Good seeing you. Maybe they'll reach out to Adam Lowry to throw some bombs for the Bears. Well, we'll have to see about that. Uh, I mean, I, I like how you kind of exited yourself out of the show. I appreciate that. There You're doing go. my job for me. Thanks so much for joining, though, Big Rig. Make sure you tune in this upcoming Sunday, CJOB. You're going to be a part of the Jets pregame coverage with Kelly Moore. Uh, but, hey, again, thanks so much for joining me, and we'll have to have uh, – one of those Canadian clubs sometime soon, all right? Yeah, good seeing you, my man, always. I uh, love to listen to your podcast as well. Have fun with the rest of the show. And it's always ironic when Husser goes somewhere amazing like the Ryder Cup, then you and I get to do his show for him. <laughs> we should work on going with Hustler and doing shows from there. But have a great weekend. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. An invite would be nice. But either way, <laughs> thanks a lot for Jim Toth for stopping by. Uh, we'll get to Adam Lowry, Winnipeg Jets Center, in just a second here. But do want to mention and give a quick shout out and thanks to Not Autocorp for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. So why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price? With the help of the Not team, visit them and check out the new Winnipeg Car Lab at Waverly and McGillivray or find out more on everything Not offers online at Not.ca. WST is also brought to you by the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, including DQ Northgate, Niverville, Polo Park and St. Anne's squeeze just a bit more out of summer and stop in today for a delicious blizzard, ultimate grill burger, or grab a DQ cake to go and be the hero at your next gathering. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. And the NFL is back. The NHL is just around the corner, maybe even the Ryder Cup too this weekend. So what better place to get together with the crew than your local Boston Pizza Lounge, Wings, Za, Schooners, and the big game always on? Hook up with your crew at your nearest Boston Pizza for the game tonight. Very happy now to bring on a member of your Winnipeg Jets. Center Adam Lowry has been kind enough to join us today. Adam, how's it going today, man? Thanks for having me on. Now, I highly doubt you'll remember this, but we spoke a few years ago uh, back on TSN 1290 and in our conversation, you said to me that the first thing you bought after signing your previous contract was a KitchenAid mixer. And we've yeah. gotten a lot of comments and questions about the mixer. So being a foodie myself, I got to ask, is, is the mixer still holding up strong? Have you added any other appliances to your kitchen game? <laughs> no, the mixer still works great. Uh, sometimes I get lazy. I think just hand mixing's a little quicker, whatever, but. For pizza doughs and, and things like that, the mixer's fantastic. What's your what's your go-to recipe? Like are, are you a sweets guy over over savory? Yeah. Like I can't keep candy in the house because once the bag's <laughs> open, it's done. So, so what's cookies, your, uh, what's your like go-to that, recipe? What's that? What's your go-to recipe to make? Uh sugar cookie bars is probably the easiest. Like kind of throw it in a pan, you know, a little thicker than the cookies, a little you know, put them in the fridge. It takes a little longer to get through, but um, 
you know, I, I, I kind of like making anything. Um, during COVID, you know, did a little more, ventured into making some pies, things like that. That was fun. Made some pumpkin pies and pecan pies for Thanksgiving. So, you know, that wouldn't be something I'd normally get into, but uh, with a little extra time, was able to do it. Well, we'll keep our eye out for the uh, Adam Lowry cookbook coming out sometime in a couple of years, all right? <laughs> no, sounds good. All right, well, let's go from the kitchen to the ice here. Two days of training camp now in the books. I mean, I, I guess we'll just start off with what's the what's the thing you most look forward to when training camp gets underway? And what's the least favorite part of training camp? Uh, you know, I, I think you kind of look forward to the games, getting back, getting being allowed to hit people again, you know, kind of the battle, the competition, and just knowing that the season's right around the corner. And probably the least favorite thing about training camp, uh, how your body feels after the first couple of days. You kind of run down, a little tired. You know, muscles that you don't really notice in the summer are pretty sore. So things like that, that's got to be the worst part. You know, I usually after day three or four, your body kind of adjusts and you start feeling really good out there. But the, the first couple of days are definitely a grind. Do you guys still do the beep test, by the way? Is that still a thing? No, no. You know, okay, actually, yeah. our, our testing is pretty fair. Um, you know, Paul and Jake Wolf, our strength coach, do, they do a great job kind of allowing us, you know, doing the tests that are necessary to kind of see where you're at if you get hurt what you need to get back to before you're kind of cleared to play but you know it's just kind of the the load you, you can never replicate how hard you go in practice in the off season you know how like the quality of players you're playing against and and things like that i think that's kind of the thing where the first few days catch up to you you know you're you're doing a lot more sprinting a lot more stops and starts in the summertime you know few more stick checks, you know, there's a few more lackadaisical back checks, things like that. And that kind of gets thrown out the window the first few days and your body goes, okay, oh, uh, this is what it's got to be like. I got to start using these things again. And, you know, it's a bit of a rude awakening. I think, you know, we all train so hard in the summertime. You think, you know, you kind of just come in and you wouldn't lose it kind of like riding a bike, but regardless of, Whatever it is, it's the first couple of days, your body's pretty sore, things like that. Well, you mentioned the physicality there, and I'm glad you brought it up because I think my favorite thing that I read about day one of training camp was that your new teammate, Brendan Dillon, wasn't uh, too afraid to uh, throw the body around a little bit. And apparently you had to uh, step over and have a few words with the big guy. Do you mind telling <laughs> us what that conversation was? Well, you know what? I, I think the thing... We love it. Like that's something that I think we've kind of lacked a little bit was a little sandpaper on the back end. You know, he's terrific with the puck, but he's got the size and he's got the bite to his game. And, you know, I think that really complements some of the other players we have on the back end. And, you know, it was kind of more like uh, you catch one of these guys, you, you might kill him right now. Like maybe wait until Sunday or the, the first exhibition game before you really staple someone to the boards like you know we, we still kind of need some of these guys to score some goals for us have you ever but seen that like is that, wrong, is that, is that a... sorry go ahead sorry don't get me wrong we love it though like i think you know it, it's it's great it, it ups the intensity you know sometimes you're kind of forcing you to shake off the summer skates a little bit and realize you know after i moved the puck i can't admire how nice of a pass it was anymore 
<laughs> was Buff ever like that? That's who I kind of think of when I think of, you know, physicality and training camp. But was he was he maybe taking it easy the first couple days or was he throwing the body out there too? You know, Buff used to ease his way into it. I think he'd kind of wait to the, the first game and, you know, he'd catch a guy, throw his hip out just last second and the guy would do a flip and then it's kind of back on. You know, he's he was one of those guys that, you know, he knew he'd just turn it on in the games, whereas, you know, some of us need to really shake off the rust and kind of use this to make sure that when the puck drops, we're, we're ready to go. Now, during the first session, you were doing a lot of the drills and, and skating around with, you know, a guy who might be your line mate this upcoming season to start the year, and that's Christian Veselainen. Was, was that by design or just kind of, you know, what you ended up being this, in the same line together? And have you spoken with him at all about potentially playing together? You know, that's kind of just the way the lines were drawn up in the board. Like, uh, you know, I, I think that that has potential to kind of be the line. Um, obviously, we're we're looking for different combinations. We're going to have to replace what Mason Appleton brought, what, you know, a few of the guys on the fourth line brought. And seeing Copper Skate with Doobie and Fly, you know, that, that's a combination that, that could do some damage. They played well together last year when they were together, so... You know, I think it's just more so kind of getting comfortable with one another. So the more reps you can get in early, you know, it bodes well. Uh, it's it's going to be an adjustment period. You know, everyone kind of has their own style, things that they're really good at, things that, you know, they, they prefer to do on the ice. And, you know, it's kind of just trying to get in sync with each other so that, you know, when the first game happens, you know, there's not as many speed bumps. There's not as many... You know, hiccups where, you know, I thought you were going to go there or I thought you'd be here. So, yeah, I think, you know, these first few days of camps with Staz and Best, it's, you know, kind of been figuring out what guys like to do, you know, kind of what's going to make them successful and then how we're going to kind of mesh as a line. So, um, you know, I, I thought we moved the puck a little better today and the, the rushes and, and things like that. You know, yesterday was a bit of a... You know, first day, first day of camp, you know, kind of, you know, get the legs moving really and get the hands. They'll, they'll catch up. So, you know, they, they started to catch up today. Now, going back to the off season, and it must have been nice first off to have, you know, a, a semi-normal off season after the past couple of years. But at this point in your career, like almost 10 years into your NHL career, what do you spend the most time working on in the off season? Yeah, you know, I think this this year it was it was nice. You know, there there wasn't the restrictions about getting back in the gym. We were able to skate with a normal size group. Whereas, you know, coming into last season, it was you know right before I came back to Winnipeg, we were skating on an outdoor rink because the rinks were shut down. You you couldn't skate inside, so you know it made it a little easier to make sure you were getting the the proper things. You know, I think. For a lot of us, it's working on the mobility, trying to make sure the body is as efficient as possible. I think, you know, my, my strength kind of peaked to where it will be, so maintaining that. But then, you know, the fluidness in, in your movements so that you can kind of access that strength at all different points. And then, you know, just the skating for me. I think that that's a big part of my game. You know, it's continuing to get better to, you know, not necessarily keep up with the McDavid's and, you know, the dry titles, but, you know, to be able to contain them, whether it's down low, you know, to kind of be able to react to their movements. So, you know, you know, we're going to be playing a lot of good players in the central division and across the league that, you know, they're, they're shifty down low. So for me, you know, that's one of the things that I continue to try and work on is, is those things so that, you know, that I'm able to kind of keep those guys in between, 
me in the net so that you know they, they don't have any free ice you know it makes it a lot harder for them to to get to heli or you know kind of two on one rd in front now we had we asked some of our listeners to send in some questions for you so i'll get to some of those now and thanks to everybody who sent some of those in but i'm really intrigued by this one um, because you've kind of played the role of, of shutdown centerman for the jets for a number of years now when you look across the nhl who are, say, the top three defensive forwards when you when you look around the NHL? Who do you think are the best of the best outside of Winnipeg when it comes to uh, shutting in the opposition? Uh, who do I think? I think Ryan O'Reilly. You know, I think what he does at both ends of the ring, he's so good in the circle. He's so smart. You, you kind of look at him. He might not be the, the prettiest skater. He might not be the, the fastest guy, but he always seems to kind of get a stick on things. Always seems to be able to disrupt plays. So I'll say O'Reilly. Um, thank Couturier. We, we don't see the East a ton, so it, it's hard to, you know, fully get a gauge on, you know, everyone. But I think what he brings, he's, you know, exceptional both ends of the rink. He's great in the face-off circle. He's hard to play against. He skates well, and you know, I, I think he's just got a great defensive mind. And then, you know, obviously Patrice Bergeron. I think there's a ton of guys that, you know, come to mind when you think of great defensive forwards. But, you know, he's kind of at the top. He's had such a long track record. He's so great, you know, on the perfection line. You know, so I'd say those three guys. Do you ever watch film on, on players like that to try to pick up different tendencies for your game? Or is it just, you know, go out there and, and do what you do best? You know, I, I think when it, it comes to things like that, you, you pick up on it more just the more hockey you watch. You, you might be watching, say, Pittsburgh-Tampa game, and, you know, you see something, oh, Crosby does this as he's going into to pick up the puck, or, you know, Point does this to kind of get away. If things like that, it's not necessarily you're seeking out this information. You know, if you pay close enough attention, you can find it. You know, even in practice, you might notice you know, we've had some guys that have had really successful NHL careers, been around for so long, and that, you know, the more you pay attention to them, yeah, well, you know, he might not be the quickest guy. He's getting into the corner. How's he positioning his stick? What's he doing to the opposing guy's stick as he goes to reach for the puck? Things like that to, you know, give yourself these slight advantages that they might not seem like much when you're watching on TV, but you get down there on ice level and, you know, you the slightest advantage it's the difference between you coming out with the puck or, you know, the other guys. So anything like that, it's kind of just more watching and then, you know, trying to pick up on these little things as opposed to kind of seeking out the information. And when it comes to guys that are the most difficult to defend against, I mean, McDavid and McKinnon, duh, but like outside of, outside of the big boys, like who are, who are some people that have kind of given you trouble in the past that you see them, Coming up on the schedule, you're like, oh, damn, I got to deal with this guy again. Well, so like you, you mentioned McDavid, usually we only play him three times a year. So, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a nightmare that afternoon thinking about, you know, how you're going to have to shut him down, his speed getting up and down the ice. And not only is it McDavid, you know, sometimes they want to go nuclear and they put McDavid with dry side on. Now you got two of the five or top 10 best players in the world on the ice at the same time. And you know, that's a tough challenge. And like you said, McKinnon, with whether he's playing with Ransom and Landeskog, and, you know, they, they kind of do it differently, but they they have a ton of speed. So, um, but different guys that, 
know that that give you trouble. Um, hmm, that's a good question, actually. I think Philip Forsberg in Nashville, you know, I think for me personally, like he uses his size really effectively. I think his size almost jumps up on you. You, you see him kind of playing other teams. You might not think he's as big and as heavy as he is, but, you know, he'll use his back. He kind of does that reverse hit. He keeps the puck far away from his body. He's got a wicked shot. And, you know, when it was him, Arvidsson and Johansson, and, and I look back to the year, you know, they, they finished first in the league, and you know, we, we played them in the playoffs. And, you know, he kind of really helped make their team go. So I, I'd say he's really difficult to defend. Like, he kind of comes out of the corner and, He's able to get the puck off, it seems like, anywhere. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of one more. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of guys that aren't necessarily like the elites of the elites, where like, you know, Braden Point, Kutrov, Barkov, Huberto, you know, kind of all those guys, you know, you see them in the top scoring, you know, kind of these middle tier guys. Um, no, that's good though. I mean, I, and sorry to put you on the spot there, but no, it's, that's I, I guess the other the other thing too is like as as a bigger guy yourself, do you prefer going up against smaller, speedier guys, or you you enjoy handling like the six three, six four dudes down low? You, you know, it, it all depends. I think like there's pros and cons to both. Like for me, it's easier to hit a bigger guy. You're not as worried about catching the guy in the face, you know, accidentally. You know, it's a little easier. They're usually not as agile, but then they have the length. Whereas you get into their body, their stick might still be four feet away from them. They can still make the pass. And then you, you get the littler guys. They might be harder to get contained, but once you have them contained, they're a lot easier to hold onto the wall. You know, you might get in a stick battle. You're more likely to win those things just based on strength and things like that. But you, you give them the two, three feet space where the big guy might not be able to shock you because he's not as agile. These guys are able to change directions and their edges are so good. Now all of a sudden you're in a blender and you think he's going right. You turn right. He's left. And now he's on your hip and you're chasing him and just hoping that he, how he makes a save. So, um, you know, you kind of, you have to approach different size, different skilled players differently. I think that's something the more you play against, different players you learn kind of their style some guys want you to get close to them because as soon as they feel you on their hip they're going to spin they're going to you know suck you in hopefully draw another guy now they know they have an open guy for a chance whereas some guys don't like you know you don't give them any of that space to get on their hip they they don't necessarily love that contact they, they start moving the puck a little quicker so um yeah, I don't know if I necessarily have a preference. It's kind of there's just different challenges for for different sizes, different kind of guys. You know, likelihood of a small guy being a really good skater is, is really high. You know, they're very agile. So for me, that's kind of making sure you kind of have a proper angle that you know if they're in the corner on the wall that they're not putting it under your stick, they're not changing direction, and you know, kind of striking you that way. I appreciate the insight. I mean, that, that, that's really, really interesting to hear here. And I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to join us here today. I mean, this is kind of going a bit long, so I don't want to keep you too much longer here. But uh, I'll, I'll let you get out of here with a couple of fun ones. We'll bring it back to food for a little bit. Um, do you have a, a favorite go-to spot in Winnipeg here, whether it's through skip or pickup, a favorite spot that you like to hit up? 
Yeah, well, my favorite spot on Skip Torter is Monticchio's. I love their garlic knots. They're fantastic. So, um, And Sub-Zero ice cream. Their parfaits are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and then my favorite spot to go to, um, well, it was Carne, but I, th- I believe COVID got the better of that. You know, I really enjoyed Pizarro McKay. There's a lot of great restaurants in Winnipeg. Like, I think... Last year, we weren't able to go to any. You know, I think that's one of the things I'm looking forward to is being able to be back in restaurants again, you know, kind of be out and enjoy some of them throughout the city. Awesome. And then... I'm a big Gusto fan, I have to say that. Beauty choice. Um, And then just one last one here on the team. I mean, everybody has a friend who basically only orders chicken fingers at every restaurant they go to. Who is the worst palate... Amongst your teammates on the Jets, who's the one guy that you're always embarrassed when they make an order? Well, hold on. First of all, there's nothing wrong with ordering chicken fingers. That's like, fair. I see. I grew up basically. I was probably one of the pickiest eaters. So, like chicken fingers and fries, that was like and cheese pizza, basically, when I was young. But you know, growing up a little, I would say the plainest guy, Jansen Harkins, Neil Pion threw him under the bus that he's quite picky. Well, I would have thought Nikolai Ehlers, although, you know, he's kind of expanded a little bit. So those two guys are probably going to fight over that crown. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, I, I appreciate you again for stopping by, Adam. Best of luck this upcoming season. I, I guess one last one for you here. Is is there like a motto the team has going into the year? Like what? I, I mean, expectations are obviously high, but... I, I guess what what constitutes a successful season for you and the Winnipeg Jets this year? Uh, you know, I, I I don't know if there's necessarily a motto. I think you know what we talked about. There, there's a certain style of hockey we want to play. There's certain expectations kind of within our room. That's you know, but we're not going to look too far ahead. I think you know it's about building and kind of you know the ultimate goal is winning Stanley Cup. That's every team's goal coming into the season, you know, you got to make the playoffs to kind of have a chance to accomplish that. So I think, you know, that's the expectations, getting the playoffs and see where we can go from there. Awesome. Well, we'll keep our eye out for uh, the Adam Lowry cookbook, but in the meantime, have a great year and uh, we'll talk sometime soon. Thanks again for this. Oh, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Adam Lowry. Center for your Winnipeg Jets. Very kind with this time for stopping by here. A great conversation, too. Love getting his insight on the intricacies of defending at the NHL level against some of the best in the league. So, again, big thanks for Adam Lowry for stopping by here today. Uh, we're going to get into our final guest of the show in just a little bit, but do you want to give a couple shout-outs quick? Little Brown Jug has a great deal to finish up the summer and even kick off the fall as well, but pick up a Summer Good Times variety pack you don't have to twist my arm on that, but pick up a Summer Good Times variety pack online at littlebrownjug.ca or in the tap room and automatically receive a $5 gift card. It'll be added to the cart or given at the tap room. No limits to how many you can purchase and receive, and the gift cards have no expiry as well. The promotion continues while quantities on the Summer Variety Pack last. So go ahead quickly, find out more at the LBJ Tap Room on William Avenue or online at littlebrownjug.ca. Also, live racing may be finally over for the season, but Assiniboia Downs remains open seven days a week. VLTs, off-track betting, 
great food as well, maybe more so than chicken fingers uh, from the Terrace Dining Room there. But again, VLT is open daily at 9 a.m. and reservations available now for weekend dining. For more information, head over to asdowns.com. We'll be speaking shortly here with Rob Reese, the fantasy editor for NHL.com. That's coming your way in just a little bit. Um, but Remo, I'm actually going to have to try and plug in my laptop while we do this here because I'm an idiot and didn't fully charge it before we got things going here. But great talk there with Adam Lowry. And I, I always like hearing the player's perspective on who's some of the difficult guys to deal with in the NHL just from their perspective. And Philip Forsberg is a guy that I love. I love watching him play, but an interesting name that he brought up there. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get like into, uh, you know, those deep sleepers for fantasy, why not ask a player? Uh, I thought that was good. If you want to go uh, plug your laptop in, uh, go, go, go get your charger before the next one. I hear this uh, video platform using does eat battery. Um, it was really nice to Adam to uh, stop in and talk with us. He's always great to talk with. You know, even going back to um, Junior when uh, he was with Swift Current, he would come on the old station all the time and uh, and talk with us. So, um, you know, he's been here for. I can't believe he's been here. He was one of the original season draft picks. You know, in the first season they drafted him, I believe third round, signed. You know, the contract. Uh, I guess towards the end of last season. And again, great, great of him to hop on. Some great insight from Adam. Uh, some good food uh, talk as well. Throwing Neil Pionk under the bus. Uh, that was, may have been the best part. Yeah. I, hey, look, I should, I should say, I don't want to shame anybody that does the chicken fingers and fries. There's nothing wrong with the good chicken finger and fries. But, you know, we're talking about multi-million dollar athletes. I'm, I think they can eat pretty good. But, I mean, Pacero's a great call as well. We'll have to, hopefully you guys can get Neil Pionk on the show sometime soon and talk about what what he what he's eating nowadays because he got he got railroaded pretty good there by Adam Lowry. Yeah, well, he's got a new contract, so I'm sure he can uh, can afford some good some high end chicken fingers and, and fries. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure there are some good ones out there. Nothing wrong with chicken fingers and fries. You can do a lot. You can put it in a salad. You can have it by itself with ketchup or honey dill. You can put it in a wrap. Uh, chicken fingers are more versatile, I think, than uh, we give them credit for. Yeah, uh, that's fair. And again, not shaming, but. There, there's there's better iteration. I mean, chicken and waffles, too, if you want to go. Is yeah. that more gourmet high-end? I don't know. People do that. People say chicken. I've seen chicken fingers and waffles as a thing. Not my personal choice, but um, it is certainly uh, an option. Either way, we'll move on from that, and we'll uh, continue the hockey talk here. Uh, very happy now to bring on some fantasy. Time for some fantasy advice ahead of the upcoming NHL season. And Rob Reese has been kind enough to join us, the fantasy editor for NHL.com. I mean, I'm sure you're bombarded with uh, emails and tweets uh, every single second of the day moving forward here. I I guess we'll just start right here in Winnipeg and maybe just talk about the outlook, especially up front with the Winnipeg Jets forwards. I mean, a lot of high scoring potential, a lot of high end skill. Who are some of the Winnipeg Jets up front that you'd be looking to target, say, early on in your upcoming fantasy draft? Well, obviously, the first two names 
most obvious, Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor. And I think what people don't realize is that Shifley is bordering that elite territory in fantasy. Look at his past five seasons playing at a point per game or better. You're not going to find that with very many other players. So do not hesitate to take Shifley as your number one center in fantasy. You simply will not be disappointed with that. But let's talk about Kyle Connor a little bit more because that's a player, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I think he still has an even higher gear than what we've seen his first few seasons. Big time goal scorer. The numbers check out to right around 35, 36 goals per year. That was his pace last year too in the shortened season. So you know you're getting that elite prowess, but I would argue why can't he score 40? You know, another couple power play goals here and there and he's going to get to that mark. So he had 10 power play goals in just 56 games last year. He could cap out around 15 maybe in a full season. So those two guys I love. I wouldn't hesitate to select either in the first few rounds of a draft. You know, probably looking at late second for Shifley, somewhere three, four, maybe for Connor, depending on how things fall. But yeah, up front, they've got a lot of talent. Uh, obviously, you know, Blake Wheeler's getting up there in his career, and you just hope that he can maintain his points per game pace in fantasy. But certainly those first two names that we talked about are high end. What do you make of a guy like Nikolai Ehlers? Where, and it's it's so hard to differentiate this when you talk fantasy and then you talk real life. A guy that is, you know, one of the better players in the league on the highlight reel almost every single night, but maybe doesn't get the ice time necessary to constitute a high selection despite him being one of the better players in the league. Do you have, um, I guess, a projection, an idea of where he might end up after having the best season of his career in the pandemic shortened season last year? Well, right. I mean, 46 points in 47 games is an absolute breakout season. But I I would say here, at least in the States, he wasn't really talked about as a breakout player, even though the numbers suggest he had a breakout season. So I think if you extrapolate that to an 82 game season and he recreates it this year, there's going to be a lot more talk around that name. And I think you said it very well. He's a highlight real player. And there's only a handful of those guys in the league that absolutely make you notice them each and every shift that they're on their ice. And Nick Ehlers is that player. So what is his ceiling in fantasy? What is his projection? I do like him right around a point per game pace. Now, obviously the seasons before, we didn't really see that keep up consistently, but if their power play clicks and it clicks from the beginning of the season, whether they can find, you know, either Peon capture that spot full time again, or whether it's Morrissey, whatever that, you know, chemistry is. And if it forms right away, I think you're going to have Nick have a huge season of fantasy. Now, the good news about Ehlers is you still don't have to reach for the player. His ADP is probably going to be a little bit lower than a Shifley, a little bit lower than a Connor. So he can fall into your lap, you know, maybe round four or five in drafts, and you're going to be absolutely pleased. Now, it's, it's worth saying that that hits are a standard category. Uh, now in Yahoo, if you play standard cats, you might not get a lot with Ehlers there, but he's one of the safest players, you know, in formats. If you're looking for goals, if you're looking for assists, all that stuff, he's going to he's going to cover your categories there. So I like Nick Ehlers a lot, and I think technically he could have a break out season if it's a full 82 game season for the player now looking at the rest of the roster it's pretty safe to say that Carter Hellebuck is going to be either the first or the second goalie off the board but is there a defenseman that you're targeting on the Winnipeg Jets maybe in the later rounds to pick up because the team is much improved on the back end in real life but how much of that do you think will ultimately transfer over to solid fantasy production 
Yeah, well, but right before we get into defensemen, while I just thought of it, I do think Pierre-Luc Dubois on the forward position is a good bounce-back candidate. I just want to say brief, briefly that it, it, think about the human element last year when he was thrown into the situation in Winnipeg after the trade. Didn't get time to have camp. Didn't get time to have a preseason. Gel with the team, right? So a little shaky start. The line combinations were a little bit all over the place. So I think he's a good bounce-back guy. But for back end... Obviously, outside of Pionk and Morrissey, those are both safe guys. I like Pionk's ceiling a lot. Big time power play producer. Uh, remember the season where he had 25 power play points? Like that is high end uh, as a defenseman. But beyond that, I think Nate Schmidt's a guy that maybe I would keep tabs on depending on his usage on his pair. If he's a 22 plus minute per game guy, I think you're going to see some great even strength production, but you know how it is. It's all about power play and fantasy. If Morrissey somehow captures that spot early in the season, you're going to have a lot of bang for your buck if you took him in one of the last rounds of your draft. I'm going to get your advice on a strategy I've done before. You could tell me if I'm an idiot or if maybe I'm trying to be ahead of the curve here. But what do you think about in fantasy drafts, as you get to the later rounds, for example, targeting players that are top-line guys on awful teams? Because in you know in my thinking, my reasoning is that, hey, there might be a much better player on the second line or the third line on a cup-contending team. But give me the guy that's playing 20 minutes a night in first-time power play, even if it is ending up on the Red Wings. Am I on to something here or am I out to lunch? No, you're 100% on to something. But where we need to be careful is taking any Buffalo Sabres <laughs> in that environment. You know, maybe some Arizona Coyotes. You're, you're not going to be loving that this year. Okay, so there are, you know, maybe two or three teams like that that you want to shy away from no matter what the role is for the player. But I think you're right. And you said Detroit, and that's a team that I think has a lot to take a step forward this year. Uh, in my opinion, they have the best GM in the entire league running the show there, uh, bringing in really good players. So Jakob Vrana is a player I like a lot that kind of fits that mold. Dylan Larkin, if he's fully healthy, uh, I think he should have a big season too. So I like where your head's at with that. And then again, I think you can kind of look at teams like LA, you know, a guy like Victor Arvidsson, for example, who's been skating with Kopitar uh, recently here in camp. Like that's a guy that could really make a difference for you in fantasy. And sure enough, he's going to be there, you know, in the late rounds of drafts that, you know, yes, LA's not where they want to be just yet, but they're going to take a step forward this year. And I think you're going to get some value with those top line players on not great teams. Since you mentioned Buffalo and thoughts and prayers, Sabres fans, but would you... Would you even consider drafting Jack Eichel? Like, I, like what? What? Nobody knows what's going on with him. Nobody knows when and where he's going to play. Do you even touch him? Like, even if it is a late round pick, just a, like a, a stab in the dark sort of a thing. Well, I don't know if you guys have done any mock drafts yet. I, I'm probably the only one that has. I'll say that. But, uh, you know, when his name is up there, you still want to select it because of the pedigree. And in fantasy, like it's one of the main pitfalls I know that I have every year. It's a common thing where you see the brand name player like Eichel, who, you know, has one of the higher ceilings in the league. You always just want to take him now. I just can't say that that strategy is good as of today, as of when this episode is released. I, I can't recommend doing that. You know, if it's a Yevgeny Malkin situation, you know the player is going to miss around two months and you want to stash him in a really deep league and you get him outside the top 150 overall. Okay, maybe if you're a real fantasy shark and you know that you're going to make the playoffs and Malkin could come back, you know, late season for you, fine. But for Eichel, I can't say go out and draft a player right now. The, the situation with Buffalo is very sad. And, you know, the player is so high end. I just hope it works out in some way, shape or form, whether it's with the Sabres, which looks unlikely or somewhere else. 
Now, I think when everybody talks to a fantasy expert, the thing they most want to know is players to keep an eye on for a breakout and then players to avoid when it comes to regression. Do you have a couple candidates for both potential risers and potential fallers for this season? Sure. Let's start with the Pittsburgh Penguins, since you just mentioned Malkin. That's a team now that I have a lot of concerns about. I think, you know, the past few years, we've almost been projecting or kind of waiting for them to take a step back. You know, it's nothing against the team. They obviously have an incredible core. Uh, Sidney Crosby can't say enough about his accolades on and off the ice. Tremendous athlete. But I do think that, you know, the changing of the guard is happening there. Now with the Malkin news, how many seasons can this team overcome all these injury concerns? That being said, the player that I would avoid in drafts is Tristan Jari. I just cannot go out and recommend the Pittsburgh tandem. Look at the division. Every other team seems to kind of have improved around them. You know, whether there's injury concerns or not, Gino Malkin is a big time player who can score big time goals in the NHL. So when you don't have the goal support and you already have shaky numbers in net, Tristan Jari is a guy you want to avoid. Now we'll be a little bit more positive here. Let's go to the Chicago Blackhawks. Kirby Doc is a player I absolutely love for this season to have a tremendous breakout. It was Adam Fox last year in fantasy that stole the show. I, in fact, got him on my team outside the top 150 overall. I just checked before I came on with you guys, actually, which is incredible. I think it's going to be Kirby Doc this year. Hopefully, there's nothing wonky with the line combinations. We've seen a little bit in camp, but as Ryan Callahan from NHL Network says, don't read into anything you see line combination-wise in training camp. I'm hoping that's the case with Kirby Doc. I think he's got 70-plus point potential written all over him. Skating alongside Pat Kane, who could finish top five overall points. It's a slam dunk pick in my book. Now, we'll get you out of here on one last one, Rob, and thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. But outside of, I mean, I, I think the consensus at the top is, you know, pretty much agreed upon. You have the McDavid's, Dreisaitl, McKinnon, Matthews. But after that kind of initial top tier, Who are some of the guys that you are most interested when it comes to, say, the latter half of the first round and the early part of the second round? Some of the names that might end up winning you a fantasy championship if you're not so lucky to get a McDavid or company. Yeah, no, this is a great question because I'm actually slated to pick seventh in a big league that I care a lot about this season. (laughs) And it's almost like it's like the worst and best place to draft because, yeah, you don't have to scratch your head over. Am I taking Drysaddle or McKinnon or Kucherov or Matthews at two? Right. But then you have all these handful of players like Marshan's going to be there ranting in probably Pasternak, Kane, Ovechkin, Huberdeau. I'm going to go with the Florida Panthers here. And I think Jonathan Huberdeau is the guy that you want to get late round one. That team just has so much good energy. They have one of the best coaches in the NHL. Huberto's already established that he can be a 90-point player in this league, but I think it's their commitment as an organization to get better and go for a Stanley Cup, which you could not have said about that team a few years ago. is the guy that's going to cover every single category in fantasy. He's going to be durable night in and night out. You can get him on some off nights too with Florida having a good schedule for that. So I would say Jonathan Huberto, and but and by the way, left wing in fantasy is so thin outside those like top five, top 10 guys. Like you need to have that locked in and forget about it. So I'm going to go with Hubes. Well, I'll send you the check after I dominate my league and, you know, I'll, I'll send you a cut of the winnings. All right. But I appreciate you so much for giving some great fantasy advice. We'll avoid the Sabres this year, but thanks so much for joining us, Robin. Enjoy their weekend, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. You guys too. Take care. Awesome. Rob Reese, the fantasy editor of NHL.com, helping everybody out for their fantasy drafts upcoming there. Great chat with him there and some great advice on some Winnipeg Jets that you might be able to draft this upcoming year. Uh, Remo, we're going to close things out here pretty quickly here, actually with a a fun little segment, right? We're going to look at some cool bet lines. 
So we'll take a look at some of the Winnipeg Jets, some over-unders and everything like that. Um, but just remember, get a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200 at CoolBet.com by using promo code WST. So, Remo, I don't know if you have the list in front of you there. I know you mentioned Nikolai Ehlers over under point totals for this upcoming year, but do you want to dive into it here and have a little bit of fun before we uh, wrap things up before the weekend? Sure, yeah. I figured we'd wrap. we talk about some of these uh, lines, get into some other stuff. Uh, we do have a – I want to touch about a new movie that was announced yesterday. <laughs> we can. I don't want to forget that. But I guess yeah. before we get to the lines, uh, you want to touch on the uh, – what, CFL for tonight? I'll fire this up real quick. Yeah. You, you're going to be tuning it. Did you watch that? Uh, what was it? This was the game Wednesday. Uh, Ottawa, Hamilton? Ottawa, yeah. No, I I mean, I, I was following along on Twitter. Saw it was a gong show. I'm like, nah. I, I actually, I've gotten into Squid Game on Netflix. And I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll stick with the Squid Game over Squid game? Ottawa. What, what's that? It's like this Korean. I think it's from like Netflix Korea. Um. Subtitles? Is, what's that? Is there subtitles? Yeah, subtitles, or you get like the English dub, whichever one. Um, but it's it's pretty dark. It's it's a very interesting uh, premise. But it's essentially like Hunger Games, but it's adults playing children games to try to win a bunch of money. If you don't win, you die. That sort of a thing. So um, yeah, it, it makes me sound like a weirdo, but definitely check it out if you haven't All seen right. it already. All right. Well, I was on Netflix last night with my wife watching season three of uh, Sex Education. Highly uh, recommend that if you love, uh, you know, those teen high school shows where, uh, you know, who's hooking up with who, who's in a fight with who, who's the bully, who's the popular kid, your classic, your classic uh, teen show. So I I enjoy that. But uh, here, if we can go on to the, uh, there is CFL tonight before we get into these cool bet uh, hockey things. I want to touch on Montreal, Toronto. I think MBT starting for Toronto. So, right, uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, we got Saskatchewan, BC. I think this is the game to watch if you're a Bomber fan going for second in the in the West. Uh, Saskatchewan, they you know they lost two in order to the Bombers. They bounced back last week. I think BC they're really coming on. Their defense is strong, and Mike Riley, sorry Michael Riley, his arm seems to be in much better shape than it was in Week One. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was going to make fun of him, but he has a great reason for for going back to Michael, so I won't do that. Um, I I kind of like the Riders in this one, man. I, I think I'm going to go with Saskatchewan to uh, put a little bit of pressure on Winnipeg for first in the uh, in the West Division there. Then Montreal, Toronto tonight. Yeah, you leaning one way or the other with that one. Uh, I saw people on Twitter saying take the overs on the Bethel Thompson passing props. Uh, that's as far as I got on there. Um, I think there's going to be a you know, high total, 48 points. I guess it's like one and a half points better. I don't know. Montreal's been not, not ideal. I, I guess Toronto, their home favorite. Sure, I'll, I'll lean, uh, I guess I'll lean Toronto here. Yeah, life's too short to bet the under, so let's take the over with that one. Sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so do you want to get to the uh, Winnipeg Jets over-unders? Sure, we- yeah. We got a bunch of them. So I love I love checking these out. We talked about Ehlers before, NHL futures. Let me pull them up. Uh, yeah, I, I just can't believe that they're that low on, on Nikolai Ehlers. People, be- people outside of Winnipeg don't know about him. He was a point-per-game player last year. That 65 seems low. Dom had him at 75. 
Um, yeah, see, I thought it was going to be like mid seventies. We're talking about here, and then then it's a bit of a that one's a bit of a tough one. But I, I, there's just no way he doesn't crack seventy this year. I think that's an easy easy bet. Well, we can ask this to the chat here on a fun Friday. Mark Shifley, this is a good one. Over under, I really like this line, eighty and a half points. I thought it would be that. I I think I would go over, but not by a whole lot. He can only play eighty one games in the season. Because he's missing, he's missing the first game. So that would be that would be a point per game. Is he going to do it? I mean, you have to take into consideration that. I mean, possible injuries. I mean, if he's healthy, I think he probably gets there. But I don't know. That's a, I think that's a pretty good line. Let's see. Uh, Sean says over. Justin under. Ba says over. I think that's a real tough one, man. I I look. Mark Shifley has a lot of faults in his game, but point production is not one of them. And I mean, he was on pace for well over 90 points last year. So, I mean, when you talk about points, it all comes down to time on ice and power play time. And we know Mark Shifley is going to play for sure 20 plus minutes a night. And he's definitely getting number one power play minutes. And he's probably going to be the trigger man, too, on the power play. So I'm not going to say way, way over, but somewhere in the low to mid 80s, I'll, I'll take over on Mark Shifley. Yeah, Dom from The Athletic has him projected for 82. And yes, that projection does include um, 81 games played. As you have, now you have to put in for all your projections on uh, Mark Shifley. Mitch says over, let's see, Schickster under, T. Conopoli says, says over 83. Um, so, and yeah, BA Split says 55 motivated this year, wants the Olympics. Yeah. Wants the Olympics. Um, Okay, this was one. Okay, I think we're all talking about Kyle Connor. How about Kyle Connor over under 35 and a half gold? Is it bad if I say under? What do you mean? Why would that be bad? I, I don't know. I mean, not that I think he's going to have a bad year or anything. That's a lot of goals, though, right? I mean, look, two, two years ago, he had 34 and 82. Sorry, three years ago, he had 34 and 82. Two years ago, he had 38 and 71. Last year, he had 26 and 56. So you look at, and I'll check out his projection from Dom. Dom's got him at, at 38. So I've seen people, you know, like, oh, Connor could score 40. I think over, I, I think over 35 and a half, assuming he plays full health. I think, I think over on that one. That's a tough one. That's a good line. I, uh, I that's the thing though. Like he can score forty really easily. Mm. The only thing that worries me about him is like just the potential of maybe moving off the top power play. Like if Nick Ehlers gets a chance there, and maybe that line clicks, then the power play minutes go down. I might, I might be a bit of a pessimist and go under on that one, that's but not by much. That's a good one. Okay, I think we're all talking. Uh, everyone wants to know about Blake, Blake Wheeler's totals, and this is what you know. Vegas, they're trying to set the line. I mean, his points line, Brandon, 56 and a half points uh, for Blake Wheeler. Where are you, where are you at a oh, Blake Wheeler this year? I'll pound the over on that one. 56. Come on. I think, I think that seems, that seems low too. I mean, although look, he's not going to be a point of game guy again, but I mean, over 60, getting all the power play minutes. Uh, that's, I'm, I'm really surprised by that one, actually. I guess. I mean, he had 46. I mean, he, we all talk about how terrible of a year he had last year. I mean, he scored 46 points right. in 50 games. Um, over eight, and he's a guy who plays pretty. He plays every game. 
I know he was injured last year, but before that, I think he had missed three games total. So, I mean, everyone like says, oh, Blake Wheeler, he's, you know, third line player. I know he gets a lot of those points from power play. So I think it is power play dependent, but yeah. he's still, he's exactly. still getting <laughs> ice time. He's still scoring. And yeah. that should be, I mean, I should go hit, go, ha- I just should go drop like some money in here and put, take the overs. Cause I think the, I think the Wheeler one is pretty low. And I think Wheeler the, and uh, Ehlers are both low for I sure. I think the Ehlers and the Wheeler ones are, are pretty low. Interesting. Yeah. yeah that is surprising to me. I mean, that's the thing too. Like, again, who cares about defensive issues? <laughs> who cares that they only come on the yeah. power play, right? It doesn't matter how it happens. It's just the fact that last year he was, I think, 0.9 points per game. Yeah. Even at, even at 0.8, that's well over 60 points. So, yeah, fantasy is basically about, um, you know, it's about skill, but a lot of it is about opportunity. Are you getting yeah. the playing time? Are you getting the minutes? And I mean, he's on line one and he's on the power play one that last year would get a minute 30 of ice time every time they were, you know, they hopped over the boards. And will that be the same this year? Will that be different? But uh, I think, you know, I think maybe Jets fans are more pessimistic on Wheeler than, um, you know, the numbers would show. And this was was one that I thought was interesting. I'll bring up this one. I'm, bring, I'm just cherry picking a couple here. We don't catch everyone. Yeah. But uh, Patrick Lina. Oh, oh no. Over <laughs> under, over under uh, 19.5 goals for Patrick Lina. No. Yeah. That's a misprint, right? And I think it was even lower before. I think it was like 17 and a half. And 19. That, how, that's, I mean, I really need to just like I'm not got to not go in a fantasy league and just like bet some of these overs season long <laughs> overs on cool bet because I don't like doing that because it does tie up your money for the whole season. Yeah, <laughs> like what? But um, that just seems so like that There's would be a no career way. low. He had ten goals last year in forty five games, so I guess that's like his last year's pace. But you think it would be better? And I did love this quote yesterday. From Line <laughs> Did you see this? I did, yeah, yeah. Um, he said this yesterday. Aaron Portsline tweeted out, I've never been a numbers guy. Like, I don't set certain goals before the year. Like, I want to score this many or whatever. I just want to be a better player than I was last year. And that's going to be easy this year because I was pretty much shit last year. So Line he knows that he was awful. He's, you know, they got a new coach there in Brad Larson. I saw he was lining up on line one. I think, you know, we had people in the chat arguing the uh arguing you know about the line a for do you know line a Roswick for dubois trade and we're going to be arguing this trade again for a long time and i don't think you can declare you can declare a winner they were all terrible right. last year i mean Roswick <laughs> got off to a, a good start so maybe you know columbus got two players and the jets got it's just one. funny because people are upset that Roslovic has gone in the trade not liney so much because liney was so brutal last year he was so brutal but they got a new coach i think he's he was playing with that sillinger uh, Cole and, Sillinger and, and Jake, Vorich, right? and Jake, yeah, Jake, and I forgot actually. You know, it's so funny. I said this yesterday that uh, you know you remember all these moves that happen uh, during the during the summer, and then after, you know, after you forget about them, you hadn't thought about them for so long, and then the training camp starts like, oh right, Voracek and Atkinson got traded yeah. for each other. I completely forgot about that one. Yeah, hey, Patrick Liney's not going to have to worry about Voracek shooting the puck at all this year. I mean, fly, flyer, any flyer fan will tell you. That shooting the puck is not in his repertoire, so mm-hmm. he's gonna have a, a trigger man for him. He might score. He, I mean, I don't know how many even strength goals Line is gonna score. He might score 19 power play goals just by standing on Line A Island. So Line I, uh, Island? I, I might throw the car keys on over 19 and a half goals for Patty this year. 
I did. I did like that one, and uh, we did Shafley. We did Wheeler. We did Con- so we did one prop from all all those players. So I did enjoy um, uh, Cool Bet. Uh, yeah, I I don't know what if they have like defensive numbers or what Neil Pionk's is, but they, I I've gone on record saying Neil Pionk is going to have a monster season this year, and I mean I guess it depends what the over under is, but I'm I'm taking the over on Neil Pionk this season. Yeah, I think it depends on how the power plays shake out. Although, you know, Jets power play one and power play two. I mean, we're both both very good last year, so maybe it doesn't matter. But he had 32 points in 54 games, so you'd have to think that he could have a, a 40 or maybe 50-point season. Three goals, 29 assists. And I, I know a lot of people uh, do, like, drafts with their friends who maybe aren't from Winnipeg, but it seems like the Jets are always uh, very, very under undervalued among uh, people who don't follow the Jets as closely. And we've talked about uh, Nikolai Ehlers a bunch. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I, I just, I, hey, if I if I had a hot take for the upcoming season, mine's going to be Neil Pionk as an All Star. That I don't know how likely that is, but I think Neil Pionk's going to be an All Star this season. So, you know, the only thing is, I guess, are they doing it by division? I know they they have an yeah, All Star game format, right? Yeah, and there's only so many guys that could make make the team. It's a lot harder, it's, so you're kind of limited. But it, usually, like one, I remember Wheeler got hosed out of the All Star game a couple times. And, you know, the Jets are not exactly a draw. You know, the Jets don't have any games on national TV in the U.S. this year. I'm not surprised. By it, <laughs> but, uh, like, I'm not surprised. But, I mean, that's just where, you know, the Jets are. I mean, Edmonton, shockingly, has, like, the most games on national TV. On really? Uh, they, I don't know if it was the most, wow. but hold on. They had, there was a good, good graphic on, on Reddit, I saw that, where they had a ton on TNT. So, they're really, you know, NBC always showed... Chicago, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. You know, they, Pittsburgh. Yeah, they had their team. Pittsburgh yeah. kind of kind of sucks now with Crosby, Malkin, and they don't have a goalie. But <laughs> the Jets, um, I think they're trying to go away to actually show the league stars on the U.S. national, and they do have the new TV deal with ESPN and TNT. So I think we'll be. I'm kind of curious how that's going to go with the new broadcast. But I just wanted to bring out. So we'll 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 see. Now we don't have a ton of time here. But you mentioned it to me before we went on, and you kind of teased it a little bit there. But we got to talk about a movie coming up. And I, I don't know, is there is there a title for the movie, an official title, or we just know, like, what the movie's about? Okay, this is this was the story. I guess, like, Nintendo had some big press conference, you know, yesterday. And they announced, you know, we all remember the Mario Bros. movie from the early it? 90s. Uh, vaguely. I remember seeing yeah. it, and it wasn't good. I don't think I've seen it since, no. but... People were, it was trending yesterday. People are fired up for this new animated Mario Bros. movie starring, what, Chris Pratt as Mario? And Chris Char- Pratt as Mario. Charlie Day is Luigi. Yeah, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny and, yeah. and Horrible Bosses, if you don't know the okay. name. I. It's funny because I thought it was a live action movie, and I'm like, Shouldn't they be getting Italian people to play Mario <laughs> Luigi? But I, you totally it's animated. That makes a little. It's more anime. Sense. Okay, Jack Black as Bowser, which could be yes, which could be. And I liked uh, Keegan Michael Key as Toad. <laughs> okay. and this was the best one. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, and you know he's got that like belly laugh. Uh-huh. Uh, Red Armisen, Cranky Kong. So I'm. I mean, anyway, and Sebastian Maniscalco as Spike. I don't know if you're familiar with his oh. comedy, but very, very funny comedian. Is, is, is Chris Pratt just in everything these days? Yeah, pretty much. Like, any, every Hollywood movie has to have some kind of a Chris in it. 
I think that's a that's a rule. I'm not. I'm gonna be honest. Like I haven't really seen any of his. I don't like see any of those movies, like the Marvel ones. Like I don't. You're not a Marvel guy. I'm not a Marvel guy. I don't oh, care. Marvel. I used to be. Everyone loves. Like everyone gets so pumped every time there's a new one. I know they always got like a ton of TV shows. I don't. I don't watch any of them. He was great in Parks and Rec. That might be his his best role so far, honestly. Um, but I, I'm pretty jacked up for the new Harry Potter movie. They came out with the title of that. I won't waste anyone's time because everyone's going to think I'm a huge nerd and no one cares. What do you mean? But, you just talk about Mario. But Mario, I, yeah, I wonder about that. I don't, I don't, I don't really have high hopes for it. The, no. the, the, the live action movie from the 90s is quite possibly the worst video game movie ever, which is saying something because every video game movie has been absolutely horrendous so far. Mm-hmm. I'm not... Here's about a no, couple. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not really down for this. So we'll we'll see. But <laughs> we got got a couple of people wondering about who's Wario and who's who's Yoshi. I, I haven't. I don't know if that's in here. I, I got to double check. But that's pretty. <laughs> so I would watch a Mario Kart movie. I'd be down with that. I don't know if that's what this is, but no, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Darb Yoris says, "Have a great week." And I'm too old for the stuff. What are you talking about? Stuff from from the '90s and. Speaking of the, if you want to feel old, uh, album Nirvana's Nevermind turns thirty today. If you want to feel old, and we're kind of feeling like all these like classic albums. I know Metallica's Black album had their thirtieth anniversary the same year. What Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion one and two released in the same day in ninety one. So I don't know. Just like hey, that's I just want to say that's like your want to feel old thing of the day. Nirvana Nevermind turning thirty. So that's really upsetting. The fact that the 90s are officially 30 years away. I really don't like that. That's not that's not positive vibes heading into the weekend. Not uh, <laughs> Do you want to touch on any of these hockey notes? We're going to sign off. Um, I sent this thing to you. Uh, Greg Wyshynski yeah. writing that the league is looking to crack down on cross-checking. Uh, you know, I hate, uh, you know, guys going to the corner and like you see them give like the, the shoves, like they're going like this all the time. They never call penalties. You usually get like two, and then it's like, oh, if the guy falls down, then you know they give him like a courtesy call, or sometimes they don't call it at all. But it seems like the NHL looking to uh, what do they say around the boards? They're showing videos to people, so I guess that's something to watch out, uh, watch out for. You can't use you know excessive force doing this. Like, will they call it what last like ten games of the season? Then they'll go back to not calling anything. But you know, we've seen eyes on officiating. And I think it's bigger microscope uh, than ever especially after the playoffs where you know you know did you know that mcdavid didn't draw any penalties in the series against the jets oh, i don't no, know if you i don't know if you knew that, that... <laughs> well but that, like that that's ridiculous in itself but that wasn't necessarily cro- that was more like you know the clutch and grab sort of a deal but the, the it's been so damn long that cross checking has been ignored in the nhl and it, i'm i'm 100% on board for them making sure that they take a very, very hard look and make sure that it's not in the game anymore because I hate it. It's it, All it does is slow down the more skilled players. So cross-checking, 100% agree. The other thing, too, is I, you know about 10, 15 years ago, they used to call interference all the time, right? And it just feels like, and, and that's kind of what you touched on there, Remo, where it's like they might call it for a little bit, but then they just move on from it and they find a different penalty to, to crack down on. I would love to see interference starts to be called the way it was about 15 years ago, but cross-checking a hundred percent on board for. Yes, I agree. More, 
let the skilled players do their thing and uh, don't let those, what, you don't have really have goons in the league anymore. And some people may say goon is a derogatory term. But uh, uh, yes, let, let guys like, uh, you know, McDavid, you know, Matthews, Ehlers, whoever, you know, be highlighted among the league. And we can't have any of this slowdown stuff. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes. But that was an article Greg Wyshynski had on ESPN that they're looking to do a crackdown. As they should, as they should. Well, um, we're about ten minutes from three o'clock. Do you think now's uh, as good a time as any to call it uh, call it quits here and head into the weekend? Yeah, I mean, what, what, we got to do. Uh, what you're not going to make a six pack? We can't do a six pack here oh, of NFL God. picks. I can give you a six pack off the cuff here, a freestyle six pack. I, uh, you know, the big game of the weekend is possibly an NFC Championship matchup, but Rams Buccaneers. The uh, the three o'clock game, basically a pick 'em too. Um, I I like LA in this one, man. I might I might lean towards putting the Rams on my six pack. Um, also, sorry, Hus, but the other big game of the week, Chargers Chiefs. Yes. Chargers, I think last time I checked, were plus six and a half. I'll take the points in that one. I I, I don't know if the Chargers are going to win outright, but they've always played KC tough, and Justin Herbert's the real deal. And that defense for Kansas City has been brutal through the first two weeks. So might be a Kansas city win, but I'll take the chargers and the points. Oh, we got a lot of people asking about, about marbles. If we're going to, we don't like, we don't have a prize. We weren't going to, weren't going to do them, but people want to do a race for bragging rights, uh, Brandon. So for, with marbles. Yeah. People want to do a marble, a marble race. So like we usually do one on Fridays. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm down. I mean, maybe we could do it for Monday. I'm filling in for Huss on Monday. If yeah. you want to quote him got, and tell, them. I don't want to. I don't want to deprive people uh, of a marble race. I mean, we can just do one. But um, I'll give you, I'll give you my. Yeah, I like Chargers plus seven. I think that's good. The other game, there was one other uh, high total game. Oh yeah, Seahawks Vikings. I know all Vikings fans here are probably pretty uh, depressed about that loss on the missed field goal to Arizona and the call from radio guy Paul Allen. I mean, he thought oh, it was in, and then uh, it, it wasn't. Poor guy. Yeah, like, that, break. that was a rough one. But they're plus two Vikings. Are they at home? Uh, I don't know. I maybe lean Seahawks. That's another team that doesn't have doesn't have a defense. But the I, I agree. Rams Bucks uh, probably game of the week. I love you know how Matt Stafford escaped from Detroit and yeah. is now having success with a competent coach and competent organization. Uh, plus one and a half for the Rams. Uh, and man, uh, they'll talk about the NFL this year. It's like Tom Brady. I mean, still, still doing it's it. Still annoying, isn't it? No, I, I like it. I like Tom Brady. Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty cool, don't you think? No, <laughs> not, not really. I mean, it's like it's as far as like athletic feats go. Yeah. It's legendary. I'm just, I'm just not the biggest Tom Brady fan in the world. But what he's doing, I mean, come on. Arguably, still what a top three, top five quarterback in the NFL. I like at this point. Would you not bet money on him playing until he's fifty, as opposed to him calling it quits before then? I don't know. The wheels can fall off like like that. Like a guy seems like he's going. You know, maybe an injury happens, but he's got a good offensive line. You know, good good talent around him. Uh, so I guess that he could. Uh, that would be pretty wild. I'm not betting against him anymore. I, I did that like eight years ago, and he yeah. still played at a high level. Uh, the other one I like. I guess I only gave two for doing a six pack, three each. Um, I'm. I think I'm just going to bet against the Jets for the rest of the season until they actually cover a point spread. So it's a big number against Denver, but Zach Wilson 
does uh does not look ready to uh play in the NFL just yet. No. Denver's, Denver's been pretty Denver's maybe been the biggest surprise in the NFL this year. So it's a big number, but I'll take the Broncos minus uh ten and a half. Yeah, Teddy uh Teddy Bridgewater's look pretty good. Um and I'm I don't know if anyone's in survivor pools, but my survivor pick in my league uh is Denver Denver this week. So nice, yeah. I'm, I think it's pick. good good time to use them. I don't know. You want to just shout? You, what should we do? Does everyone in chat want to do a marble race? I don't really. I can. I want to do a marble race. I I've never been involved in one. I'm I, I'm with everyone in chat. Okay, you want to? All right. Well, here, I'll throw some. Uh, I can throw some koozies in in for a prize. I'll nice. throw some Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, koozies. Uh, I, I love how jacked everyone is for the. Everyone's just race. like marbles. What are you guys doing here? Talking about yeah, sports? Shut, shut up. Marble race. <laughs> So you just want to shout out, read off a bunch of names of people who are in and uh, we can, every, everyone is like so jacked. I think it's become like a Friday, a Friday thing and it's 252. Uh, so if you, so you just read off the names who says, Rob Mahoney says, just get to it already. Yeah, like, I, I don't have, I don't have the comments in front of me here. Oh, so you I, don't have the chat. No, Man, no, you're I such a, a noob streamer, not having the comments in chat. Anything works. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Candace Jane, <laughs> man, Robert tried to read him out. You got to pull pull up the chat, Brandon. Come on, you got to help me out here. I'm trying to find it. I, I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I'm typing them out. Okay, should I pull up the the screen? I guess. You could do that if if you need me to uh, to kill some time here. Um, <laughs> I, I just love people like enough enough talk marble time. Yeah, um, but I, I will give a, a final thank you to uh, the sponsors over here at Winnipeg Sports Talk, uh, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Canadian Club Whiskey, which I'm about to get into in about five minutes time. Uh, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Boston Pizza, LBJ, Assiniboy Downs, and Cool Bet. Canada so a big shout out to all the sponsors everybody helping out here with uh Winnipeg sports talk uh, but it is marble time it's the moment that you've all apparently been waiting for so I I'm intrigued I can't wait to see how this goes because I I have to admit I've never seen a marble race before so this is are, interesting are you so you're gonna hand over the play-by-play to me I'm ty- I'm typing out all the names okay uh, yeah I, I am gonna have to I mean I can maybe be your color guy but I will see uh, the play-by-play calling to you when it comes to the marble race here. Um, I'm just an intrigued fan, like everybody else right now. Okay, I got I got 25 names in here. I got you know Merrily, Justin, BA, iHeart Gaming, Theo, Winnipeg, Chester, Justin Fung, John D, Schickster, uh, Frosty. Sorry, I got to put my Frosty. Who else do I got? Uh, oh, there's Murray. Marble Murray is in. <laughs> Marble you don't have the chat you're such a rookie no, yeah, no, ba no, just no. called you a rookie uh rookie streamer now i know i i, I wish i that's... could help out but i don't know what i'm what? doing <laughs> <laughs> man that's the best part you got to say what up to everyone i know i know I'll, I'll figure it out for monday's show i promise but you don't have two two computers you just have the one computer is that what you got going on yeah, I, my, my computer was almost dead halfway through the the adam lowry interview you think i'm gonna figure out how to work the chat by then i'm, I'm just trying i'm just trying to make sure i get this out to everyone oh my god that's amazing. I didn't know that you couldn't see the chat. You gotta, you gotta come in. You gotta say what up to everyone. You say, "Hey, what up, uh, Candace Jane?" Oh, Jet Oil Tom, great to see you back. He actually won last time. Jet Oil Tom, 
I got Todd for all those, all those lovely people though. I appreciate yeah. you guys tuning wow. in. And listening. You just outed yourself as like a rookie as a total rookie. I know. I know. Hey, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to argue that I know what I'm doing here. I'm a pro. <laughs> like no, that. you did a great job. Honestly, you did a great, uh, a great oh, thanks, job thanks, uh, hosting the show and uh, running the ship here. All right. Well, I got, a, I got a bunch of names. I got, you know, 33 different names in here. Um, so I got Rob Mahoney. I got Taylor, Mitch. I got all the all the guys, everyone in. That seems like a lot of regulars. But uh, Kenny's water bottle is in. I got nice. me and you in there. So I'll send some some koozies. I'll mail some koozies uh, Love to, it. The, to the winner. Brandon was just Kenny's water bottle. Brandon was just yelling at his wall for the past two hours. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so, actually my biggest fear. So. I, you didn't know any of the any of the comments, Brandon. No, no, I don't. So I don't know. Like I, I'm assuming everyone's just been chirping me for two hours here. But I, I would like. We'll get it. To, I promise. I'll figure it out on Monday show. Okay, so I can actually <laughs> communicate with everyone. My but apologies. But his marble and as noob, according to Schickster. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Oh, Zach Sarnicki's in the house. I see Zach. And Shout I got, I think I got waiters in there. Yeah, I got waiters. Waiters, I got waiters in twice, actually. All right. So I got uh, 33 names in. Beauty. And here. So you've never seen this, Brandon. You've never watched no, the show? No, this is, a, this is a first. I watched the show. I, I just haven't I seen listen, the Friday Marbles. I listen to your podcast. You're not tuning in? <laughs> I swear I've been watching. I just haven't seen the Marbles. Okay, let's, let me pull this up. Uh, <laughs> oh, here we are. Okay, let's do this. This is how it's gonna work. I'll I'll add the names. We got all clear. So we got thirty three people in. I got Brandon. Brandon's got a marble. So we have. I got thirty three names. Oh my god! So this is how it's gonna work. I'm gonna pick a track, and okay. I gotta make sure I have the right number of names. I guess I'll pick Good. a track. So there's all the names. Um, what do we got here? Pause. Let me pick a. Uh, the long ones are kind of fun. So it has like. I like this one. Oh, we did Rusty Remnant. That was a good one. Okay, okay. Coil- I like Coils of Power. Coils of Power. And we'll do <laughs> 33 names. We got 33 people in. Everyone wants to see. And I'll send, I'll put some, um, I'll send some koozies to the winner. We got some koozies. Do we add Huss? Too late. Oh, Bartholomew, you just, you just got in a bit too late, Bartholomew. I know, you, I know you're always in here. So Coils Next of Power. So you can see the race, Brandon. Yeah. And oh yeah! The, I'll make you a bit smaller, actually, because Hustlers has got a gets cut out. So hold on, and yeah, we will right. do I, this I Friday, Friday marbles, and I'll send some koozies out to the winner. I'll just DM me after, and I'll get that set up. Let me make you a touch more. My heart's actually kind of pounding a little bit here. I'm, yeah. I'm jacked up. All right, we're golden now. All right, let's go. Ready? Marbles, marbles. Okay, there we go. They're all so Brandon, this is it. They're all going through this little funnel thing here. The leaders in the top right, and they're all going down. Albane Bell leading Todd Furtani. I've never played this one, but they're gonna go down this thing <laughs> into this electric thing. And the winner will get some what some koozies from Winnipeg Sports Talk. Really koozies. koozies too. So this know, is big for me. It's still kind of hot out, so Got iHeart Gaming in there, Mary Lee's in there. Me, I'm in third, and I'm not eligible to win. <laughs> uh, but this is wild. What is happening here? Oh my god, this is this is called Coils of Power, and they are not kidding. They are going down 
These electrical coils. Marilee, what happened? Oh, oh no. no. Bu- <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, no. Is she done? Wait. Yeah, she's done. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. She went over the top. Does that happen? Yeah, yeah. She got eliminated. Oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry, Marilee. But yeah, they're all going down the coils. We'll see. Oh, there's Michael Capty. Bye-bye. Over the top rope. See ya. <laughs> and so... I'll tell you what, man, if this doesn't work out for you, you got a future in a marble play-by-play. I'm trying, man. There's BA Split, Larry the Sports Guy. No, bye-bye. They're, they're gone. Oh, there's Mitch, Jeff Cabellus. <laughs> Kenny's Water Bottle is, is out alive. Oh, there's me. I'm done now. But Kenny's Water Bottle, the lone marble going down the track. Oh. Going under that laser beam. Doesn't want to get caught by the lasers. Oh, he got infected by something there. He slowed down now. Brandon, there you go. Bye-bye. Oh, no! oh there oh. goes Rob Mahoney. Everyone's getting eliminated, but Kenny's water bottle is Kenny. in the house. He's, He's secretariat right now. Todd for Tanny just got bounced out of the race, but Chris for Med in second. Kenny's, oh, Larry Eloy. Bye-bye. Over oh. the top. Waiters from the sky. Oh. What is everyone? <laughs> Nobody's surviving this. Only Only a couple remain. There's Greg M. Oh, Greg M. Just got oh. bounced out. Oh, he just took a shortcut. Watch Greg M. I saw him in chat, too. Oh, could Greg M. pass Whoa. Kenny's water bottle? He just got, like, hit a jump or something. And Unreal. it's Greg M. He's the winner out of nowhere. Greg M. <laughs> takes it down. Wow. Holy crap. That was a crazy race. Uh, looked like Kenny's water bottle was a shoe-in, but it was, in fact, Greg M., who somehow got launched out of the coil into first place and into that yellow tub uh, to take down this marble race. Greg M, if you're in chat, uh, if you're in chat, send us a DM. Uh, send us a DM and I'll hit you up with a Winnipeg Sports Talk koozie. And if you did really want one, we're on the uh, on our store, store.winnipegsportstalk.com. Some great merch on there. There's Greg M. Of course, no prize. What do you mean? You get... You get Winnipeg Sports Talk koozies. Send me a DM. It's not a prize. Sorry, it's not like a giant bottle of alcohol, but that's that's only on Bomber home game days, Greg. Yeah. I'll take the koozie if he doesn't want it. I mean, yeah, Greg, if you don't want the koozie, I'll send you some. The real the real prize is the friends that we made along the way in this marble race. So it's kind of a double prize there if you really think about it. Yeah, that was electric. That was unreal. Well, electric. I, is that, I don't think that's a pun because it was called coils literally, of power. Yeah. yeah, literally was electric. Wow. So Larry, the sports guy, says I've seen that trick before. Yes, Larry was the one who went over a big ramp and uh, passed everyone. <laughs> and uh, here's everyone who survived: Greg Albain, Bale, Road Rocks. Uh, Kenny's water bottle was like ready to win, but he didn't even finish. So wow, that was that, that was a wild one. Well, the people asked for it. They wanted it. Taylor says it was the best one she's ever seen. Wow. Just for me. Well, that is awesome. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I, I listen. I swear I listen to WST, but I'll be here every Friday now to close out the show to, to check out Marbles. And I, I got to get myself a koozie, so I'm going to enter myself, too, as well. Yeah. They're also, we have some for sale, but I'll send, uh, I'll send Greg M some, some koozie. We'll, we'll Beauty. Send. All right. All well, right. You want to end the show here? I'll, yeah, I, I don't know if we can top that, so we'll uh, we'll call it quits here. Remo, thank you so much for helping me out. Appreciate everything and, and making this bad boy run. Again, just a quick final thank you to our sponsors, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Canadian Club Whiskey, Not Autocorp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, 
Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, and Assiniboia Downs, and Cool Bet Canada. We're done for the weekend. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're back at it this upcoming Monday. I'll be filling in for Huss once again as he makes his way back from the Ryder Cup over there in Whistling Straits. We'll talk, I guess, the first Winnipeg Jets action of this season, the first exhibition game, and then all the other news around the sporting world as well. Uh, But again, thank you guys so much for stopping by. I'm Brandon Ruwicki filling in for Andrew Hustler-Patterson. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.